The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Just staring at shooting stars. Of course. Black holes. Imagine what a black hole sounds like. What do you think it sounds like? I That's... think, didn't someone, uh, they they simulated it or something? Some physics, physicists simulated it or something? Really? Yeah, it's like, See, it, does make a, it does well, make a sound. I mean, that's the best part of Interstellar. Oh, I mean, yeah. my favorite part of it. Oh, man. Chinese theater, that was so loud and fucking yeah. awesome. Oh, you want to see it there? I want to see it again there so bad. Oh, IMAX man. is the place to see it, That's right? what it, it was yes. the IMAX theater he made oh. it at. Like, he was testing it there oh. to make sure it was two part, and it was... That's a bold that movie, man. Very uh, bold movie. Oh, yeah. Super sick, you too. Just think of all the, the the elements that people have to follow along, especially the ending. Spoiler alert. Oh, but yeah. At the end, totally. when he's like looking at himself, through, like, like what, what <laughs> yeah. is happening there? Like, you got to, like, if you're, you know, you take your, like, a kid there, he's like, Dad, what is going on here? You're like, <sighs> it's like, I don't know, man. We're in the <laughs> can't, same spot. Can't really explain it, son. We're saying, we'll talk about it later. We're in the same we'll spot. We'll get it on DVD. Does it, does it have the sound of it? That robot was so dope. This isn't translating as great movie sound, but it's just a rocket also is what it sounds like. Yeah, this isn't working. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I would imagine it's without the rocket, <laughs> it sounds like stars getting smushed. Yeah, it's just like, I think it was like they were saying like it was like a you know that type of a thing just the fact that that's a real thing that in the center of every galaxy is this giant mass that's eating stars star eaters just just sucking them into who knows what on the other end I, you know it's it's great i love reading about i mean i haven't read about black holes in a really long time since uh, i think a michio kaku book mm. that i had but it was a while a while ago but um I mean, it's so fascinating that weird, like you know, that point. It's like the the event horizon. It's like theoretically, it wouldn't work like this, but theoretically, there's just like a membrane, and you're just close, close. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You just get sucked stretched. in and just stretched and broken, just crushed to yeah. bits, and then I guess just reconstituted as pure energy on the other side. Yeah, because it definitely what? doesn't just get destroyed. It gets redistributed. They're redistributors. We're just so concerned about the finite life that we live. Like we're so concerned of preserving this very fragile existence that the idea of getting reconstituted into pure energy in another dimension is like horrific. But that's why we're here. We're here, yeah. right? We're here because a star exploded. Yeah. yeah, we're made of stars. What's that old song? We are stardust. We are golden. We uh, are billion year old cars. Oh, is that from the sixties? Got to get ourselves back to the garden. It's like the strawberry alarm clock yeah, or Woodstock. something. <laughs> Joni Mitchell. Uh, well, w Joni Mitchell did a version of it, but I don't think uh, she was the original. Well, she maybe she was original. Maybe she wrote it. I don't know. Huh. But Joni Mitchell, artist. Huh. Oh, Message my. to love. Crosby. Oh, Co oh, it's probably Crosby, Crosby Stills Stills Definitely. When you were singing it, it the yeah. way you were singing it, yeah. that's Crosby. Can we Stills give us a little bit before we get in trouble? Just yeah. Give me a little taste. Give me a little taste. Give us 2.6 seconds. Give me a little taste of like 1970s acid. 1970s acid and uh, marijuana grown in that Mendocino range where that Hulu series the Sasquatch was made. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Here. He was walking down the road. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, I haven't heard this. You never heard this? No. Oh, my goodness. This is classic. 
I gotta get into them. Oh, Yaskar. Keep it going. Fuck it. If we get pulled, we get pulled. Let's test Spotify's algorithms out. <laughs> it's it's like the Borg, man. We are starless, <laughs> we are golden, we are billion and we've got to get ourselves back to the dark. Ooh. Oh, that's gorgeous. That's pretty fucking good, man. Woo. Especially when you're high. Oh, that's There's something about being high. That old music just resonates, man. Um, uh, there's there's some there's some like Almond Brothers songs that are different when you're high. You listen to them when oh, you're yeah. like like Midnight Rider. I don't know if I know. That you don't one. know Midnight I, I know, Rider. I'm terrible. I don't. How I, don't dare I, you. I apologize. I'll, I'll see it. It was just a really a fun podcast. Musician Reggie, you're a musician. <laughs> I know. I'm supposed this to know a, all music. This is outrageous. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your mind is filled with electronica. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. My zone is like so very specific and very surprising to people, but I love it. Well, yeah, that's yeah. all that matters, man. Of course, of course. But I mean, I love you know. I was my philosophy on music when they're like, "What kind of music you listen to? What kind of like?" I'm like, "Anything that's good." That's, that's always my yeah. answer. It could be anything. Yeah. Anything. Doesn't anything matter. is good. Anything yeah. is good. I mean, it's all subjective. But. What were you going to tell me? There was a lady you're going to. I, mm. I stopped you. I said, well, I'll save it for the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, my friend Kirsten Joy Weiss. She's a trick shooter. Um, uh, she's. she's uh, Like a pistol shooter? Yeah, pistol rifle. Um, and she lives in Cody, Wyoming. And she is amazing. Um, just a really cool independent thinker like she loves sci-fi but she sent me these i'll see if i'll I, I can send you a video you can see she did like this i guess a shot that hasn't there been there she is look at before. this oh yeah <laughs> she's she's leaning back for people that are not listen she's got her shins down on the ground and leaning back behind them and she's shooting 30 yards behind her yeah backwards gun, gun pilates yeah, is she that calls the, it gun Pilates. Was that the, was that this one? Is that the long shooting or is it long range trick shot? Is that was called? Uh, trick. This says gun Pilates trick shot. Okay. Yeah. This, there's a whole <clears throat> market for hot girls with guns. Do you know that? Like hot the hot girl gun world. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny, but you know what? The interesting thing that's this different about her. She's almost like she's just a badass shooter that happens to be. Uh, Hot. An attractive woman, yeah. Right. I mean, she, she, but she's like, uh, she's the real deal. She was going to be on. Uh, she trained in the Olympics uh, on the Olympic team, um, and uh, and I like her videos because she talks about. I mean, it's called the joy of shooting, obviously, but but I mean, it's a play on her name. But but she really does mean it. She's just talking about like, hey, this is a cool exercise and kind of like a meditative exercise like like shooting and target practice is meditative and the cool thing about her is she does everything herself every video that you see is just her with a camera and a tripod and all her editing she's super diy that's oh, what i like about her that's cool she's she's sick and she's like very philosophical very cool what are you saying jamie video is playing on his phone Oh, I'm so oh. sorry. Sheesh. <laughs> I am going to stop that right now. Sorry, Kirsten, wherever you are. <laughs> the, um, um, she's that, badass. It is true, though, that shooting is like very meditative, right? Oh, completely. Yeah. Are you kidding? I mean, it's like any, you know, it's like a, it's, you know, you're shooting a project, whether you're shooting or it's a bow and arrow or it's a crossbow or it's a sling or you're throwing a ball. like Even darts. Oh, man. Darts especially. Yeah. Darts especially. I mean, like just to try to get that arc right. Oh. And you're like... Yeah, you're like thinking, not thinking, muscle memory, learning. Also, like the weirdness of like letting that thing go. Like you don't want to let it, 
You don't want to drop your hand down. You got to like release it at the exact right time. Like, yes, yes, I know. It's I, I went axe throwing in Great Falls, Montana, uh, recently. That sounds like a Great Falls, Montana activity. Oh, are you kidding? It's so Great Falls. <laughs> I went with my friend Kelly. He's he's awesome. His family's cool. I went with my mom. I brought my mom. Your mom was axe throwing? <laughs> my mom, no. My mom was like 83, just like sitting in a chair, drinking wine. And it's just like three <laughs> feet away from people throwing axes at the wall. That's hilarious. Like, oh, this is so awesome. Sipping wine while people hurl blades. Yes. That's but very funny. My friend Kelly was like, he's so ridiculously good at it. I, it it was, it was stupid. He was he'd like not look. He'd turn around and throw the axe behind his back, and it would land on the target. He would take two axes and throw them simultaneously, and they would land. And he's not like he's just a natural at it. It's very strange. He doesn't practice. I mean, he's been there a few times, but he was already a natural the first time he went. So like the really? people who work there are just like, hey, are you, are you on a league? You know, like that type <laughs> of thing. He's like, nah, I just do it for fun. You know, it's like a movie, right? Right so, about axe throwing. <laughs> naturals are weird. Yeah, like a natural in anything. It's a strange thing when you see someone who's just really good at something yeah, right away. It, it just makes sense, you know. It's like they just have this ability to like, oh yeah, like this, and you're like, wait, but I've been training for five years. <laughs> like, yeah, they just see it and they just they just have it. Yeah, but it's annoying. It is annoying. If you're a person who's been like studying your whole life, and some guy comes around, oh, you mean like this? Thunk. Uh, yeah, and like, like <sighs> and then you've yeah. got then you've got. Then you got problems. And bodies have, are not deal with it. bodies are not fair. You know they're not fair. Some people's bodies just work way better. Oh man, I mean for me, like I always had a good ear. So like if I heard an accent, if I heard um, you know Olivia Newton-John on the radio or whatever, I could mimic them the her timbre and the and the texture and mm. really really easily. And so for me, music came pretty. I mean obviously the theory is the theory, and and that's something you have to learn. But I. I had an ear, so even if I didn't learn theory, but I kept playing with musicians, I would have been fine because I would have figured it out. When did you ear. start learning music? Age five. Wow, that's a that's a nice advantage. Yeah. So you grew up with a, a musical mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love you know my my parents. You know, we were in Europe for a while because of the military, Air Force, and uh, we moved around. And then, uh, so I was born in Stuttgart, and then we moved uh, to I think like Italy. Ended up in Spain for two years, the final two years, till age four. Then we moved to Great Falls, Montana, to Maelstrom Air Force Base. But uh, in that time, you know, I just love my parents loved jazz. Ray Charles, you know, my mom listened to French, a lot of French or European folk music, like Anna Muscuri and uh, Edith Piaf and things like that. So I, I was hearing that all the time, and I saw Ray Charles, and I loved the way he moved, mm. and he had the sunglasses and playing piano. And so I used to sit at the edge of the table and pretend like I was Ray Charles, and they were like, oh, let's get him a toy piano, and they did. And then uh, and then my mom was like, do you want to have lessons? Or I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, you know, almost six, five, and I started studying uh, classical piano, like private private lessons. It was is there anyone awesome. that's learned piano without lessons? Because I know people have learned guitar without lessons. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's just by ear. The piano actually is an easier instrument to learn by ear because really? it's a grid. It's just a grid. It's not like when you have a stringed instrument or you have like a, a fretless board, like a, a cello or a violin or something like that, right? It's like there's no fret, there's no marking, so you have to really know where to put your finger and you have to know the technique of bowing. There's a lot of complicated stuff. Mm. A piano, it's like, uh, you know, uh. note, right? And so, and then you then you start to notice, oh, it's a pattern. It keeps repeating, but it just goes higher and higher, or lower and lower. That's interesting. Does it feel more limited because it's just you're pressing buttons rather than the the creativity that's involved in a musical instrument that has chords that you can manipulate? Mm. 
No, I, I would say that uh, I think what's great about a piano is that, uh, yes, you have like the basic, these are chords and things like that, but you have dynamics. Um, then you have note combinations. And then if you really want to get crazy, like John Cage or whatever, prepared pianos where they're putting screws in the string board, you know, or in the, I forget what it's called, but the, the board where the strings are. What do you mean? Um, the soundboard, I guess. It's uh, So they would put a screw next to a, uh, a string so that when you hit a note, it's, it, it would just vibrate against the metal. Oh. And they would have certain keys prepared, so they call it prepared piano. So John Cage wrote a bunch of prepared piano pieces where they'd modify the soundboard of the, of the piano, and uh, as and then he would write music for it, and he would play the music, and certain notes would have metallic sounds, and sometimes wow. notes wouldn't be there, a bunch of stuff. Um, so the piano is like it's a good basic instrument. That's a good foundation. Now, when digital keyboards came out, a lot of people like resisted the sound of digital keyboards. Like I remember, I remember when Jump. When Eddie Van Halen, oh, yeah. huge jump, deal, right? People Revolt. were very upset, <laughs> yeah. hugely upset. Like, mm -hmm. what the fuck is this? You guys were running with the devil. Yeah. How did you get to this? I know. But yeah, still a good song, man. Oh, it's an amazing song. But that's how things go, right? Yeah. It's like someone comes up. I mean, you know, essentially synthesizers. You know, that like came from what, like the the fifties or whatever, like oscillators, things that made. It's an all. All it is is just a sound going, and then you have another sound which collides with it, which creates texture, right? Because they're battling each other, and you change the wavelength, the frequency, then multiply that and, and put it onto a keyboard. Now you've got a synthesizer, right? But then Buchla back in the day had his idea of synthesis was just like. Like a, a strip of like random sounds you could manipulate, just move up and down. And so there was like kind of this battle between Buchla's philosophy, which was a West Coast philosophy, and Moog's philosophy, which was an East Coast philosophy. But Moog was like, we're going to make the interface a, a, a really easy to understand one, which is the keyboard, the piano keyboard. What I was going to get to is like, did the, the current piano keyboards, like the current electrical keyboards, have they gotten to the place where they can actually recreate the sound of a great piano? Really close. Really, really close. Could you tell the difference? Um, eh, it's hard because it depends on the context. If you're listening to it just naked and, and then you're running through tests like the lowest note, um, a note in the middle of the keyboard, and then the highest note, I think someone who plays piano, they might be able to tell, but now the... The sampling is so crazy. They'll sample one note so many times, and then they duplicate that all the way down the length of the keyboard. And uh, when you hear, you can't really hear the difference, especially in a song. It just sounds like a real piano, or it sounds like a real Rhodes. Like um, Nord makes uh, the Nord Electro, which is what I usually use. It emulates electric pianos, Wurlitzers, and, and uh, also pianos, and I guess organs as well. Um, but the it sounds so good. It almost sounds sometimes better. Really? Sometimes. Just because it's it's like, imagine the optimal version of a Rhodes, like Mark II or something like that, or whatever, like a very popular Rhodes. Um, That's a type of piano? Yeah, it's a type, yeah, so a Rhodes electric piano. It's what you heard the most in the 70s. That and Wurlitzer. Wurlitzer sounds more plucky. It's like a... You've heard it like, ooh, you're making me feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Wurlitzer. So you've got that. And then you've got Rhodes, which is more like um, uh, Fly Like an Eagle. All that stuff from the high stuff. Yeah. So, and the Rhodes is a little bit more versatile. A Wurlitzer is very, oh, that's a Wurlitzer. But, you know, 
all these pianos, it's like imagine them at their peak condition because they're always they're mechanical, right? So it's like there's always you have to send them to a tech to tune them up. You know, maybe the pickups aren't working right, or maybe um, you know there's an element that's not functioning properly. So imagine the most optimal version of that instrument in. Uh, just that stays constant, and that's kind of like what a what a Nord is. And I know that there'll be people out there going like, "There's no, you know, there's a right. the difference." But in general, uh, you know, keyboard players I know they're very comfortable playing. Like like my friend who is a Rhodes Hammond B3 clavinet dude, he loved the clav and the clavinets kind of sounds like a like. Not the vocal part, but there's a keyboard, and that's um, and that is the uh, world sir, or not the world sir. It's uh, the clavinet with a wah wah pedal, which was very very popular. But he played all of it: Rhodes, clavinet, Hammond V3, and it was insane to watch him like drag this to all the gigs like he dragged a full Hammond B3 and and I like we're carrying it like a sarcophagus you know like out of this van and then like into the gig plus the cabinet went to the Leslie the rotating speaker so it was huge I mean it was huge and then he would put his clavinet on top of that and he had his roads and so every gig we had all those things but then the Nord came out and he was like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> he just started playing the Nord because the Nord sounded so good. And that was in the early days. And, now and then it had insane. everything. It had it. Well, kind of. Yes, it does. You can, But you would still probably want to separate. You'd get two. You'd get one that's like, like the stage, which is for like piano sounds. And then there's one that's kind of like more oriented to Rhodes. And then you have an HP series, which is semi-weighted. So it feels more like a Rhodes. So it feels it's got a mechanical weighting as opposed to synthesizers, which feels like you're pressing a nothing mm. like it's just super you could like solo all over that thing with no resistance but the hp series has is simulated and then you got the hammond uh version which has like stacks and draw bars on it so it really goes and then you can hook that into an actual leslie cabinet so they make smaller leslie cabinets so you have a small leslie cabinet a nord organ simulator and you've got a hammond v3 so what these simulators do are they literally recording the sound of an actual piano mm-hmm so it's not a, a sound that the thing makes. No. It's, you're just pressing a play. Yes. As far as I understand it, um, yeah, they're essentially they're doing oversampling or they're sampling uh, multiple, multiple times uh, the instrument. It's like a think of it as like a super high res scan and of then the instrument. It, it's all in like how it's projected through to the amplifier. That's correct. To make sure that the sound actually resembles a piano. Or recreates yeah. a piano. Yeah, and a lot of it has to do with um, uh, the the interface, like how how do the keys react? Does is it similar to how the instrument reacts? And then they can build in all kinds of algorithms for that. So how hard you're hitting it, or if you hit it really hard, does it have that bite? Like a Rhodes, if you mm. hit it softly, it's just like ding. But then if you hit it really hard, it goes ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Kind of terrible. You, Sorry. You, there's manipulation, mechanical manipulation. Yes. And just they, like a real instrument. Yeah, and they, they, they put that in there. And then, like, you know, I remember getting my first synth was a Roland W30, which was the, technically the first workstation, which was it was a synthesizer that had a sampler built into it. Um, you could write on it. It had a 16-track, I think it was a 16-track sequencer and, um, and was just like a regular synthesizer, but it had aftertouch. So, like, if you press a sound and then you pressed a little harder... It would actually make another sound, mm. so you could do so, you, and you could program it any way you wanted, right? So it can recreate pretty much any sound that you would in a regular musical instrument. But is real important? Sorry. Is like is real? It does it matter? Because 
if you know that what you're doing is pressing play on this thing and it's recreating the sound of a piano rather than actually that little felt covered mm-hmm. hammer mm-hmm. hitting the string mm-hmm. and creating that sound is that important that that actually takes place because there's mm-hmm. implications to this kind of simulation of stuff that would apply to a lot of other things that make people uncomfortable like love like well, artificial we, love sure, sure some robot lady yeah that is uh what we've done we've recorded all the sounds your lover could make <laughs> you know and you know and if you, you yeah. spank her like maybe she'll like it maybe she won't <laughs> You're like what what are we doing yeah, you know why? what i mean but i mean if we, we yeah. could there's implications here right like we yeah. could get to artificial life and you could have a friend that's not really your friend who like sometimes he flakes on you Yes. But it's like, what is this fucking weird program this guy's running? What's a human? I know. I mean, you know, taking it to that level. I mean, well, you know, instrument-wise, there's people that argue, like, I have to have my... I mean, like, Regina Spector's not going to show up at a gig playing... Um, it's, she's not going to play, like, a, an electronic version of a piano. She's not going to play an electronic piano. She's going to play a real piano. She's going to play a real piano because... Tori she Amos. Lo- she loves... It. Yeah, Tori Amos. Like, they have to have their Bosendorfers or their yeah. Steinways or whatever. They they need that instrument because that's how they create. They need the weight of it. like Because when you're behind a piano, I mean, the weight of it and seeing the lid up, if that's how you have your playing style, but if the lid's up and you can see the length of it. And you is can it a see sound the... issue with the lid up or down? Yes, it is, yeah. What is they're, the difference? They're made to project. So that's mm-hmm. why uh, you'll see grand pianos at an angle facing, like if you went to a classical performance mm. or went to a, uh, yeah, like a, a theater amp, um, you would see the piano and then the lid up. It projects the sound outward to the audience. And then I guess there's a microphone that's near the piano that picks it up and you have to figure out where to put the microphone they'll do that and sometimes they'll do contact mics as well oh like a guitar yeah exactly so it plugs right in yeah they'll put it like on the soundboard so sometimes it'll be on the soundboard or a hybrid system and so they can mix in between Mm. um, uh, for amplification but in like traditional settings in a medium-sized room they would just let the piano project into the room naturally there's a thing that we're we're hitting on here though right with things being real or not real and in musical mm-hmm. instruments, that, that seems like a, a very, an applicable analogy. Like there's a thing that happens all the time now with musical instruments where you can actually, I mean, you can re- recreate drums without any drums, right? Oh, oh, easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, synthesizers were mimicking all kinds of instruments for a long time. Not very well, but, uh, you know, early drum machines. That's, yeah. it's basically, it's all the same principle. It's a sound wave that's being generated and then collisions with a secondary oscillator or sometimes even more. And then you're changing properties of each of those and you can change like how long it plays or if it, if you press it once, does it keep holding if you keep holding it or do you press it and keep holding it and it stops? You know, there's, there's these, all these parameters, like a three dimensional equation. You can, you can shape things. So that's why you've got like, that's all synthesizer. It's synthesized. Mm. So like early organs when organs were popular back in the day in the 70s or whatever and you had your sheet music and your right. organ and it had the drum machine that Shuggy Otis used you know uh, or um, uh, Sly and the Family Stone notoriously used the the organ the organ module or module for drum sounds and built an entire track around it it's all synthesizers it's crazy or the uh, 808 you know the famous Roland 808 which is like probably the most well-known drum machine uh, in the planet um, it was just a synthesizer that only focused on making drum-like sounds that you could program. I remember that. Um, obviously, um, there's a lot of people that have a lot of issues with a lot of these things, like uh, mm-hmm. other musicians. But the first rumblings I ever heard about it was drum machines. 
Yeah. Like people that did not like a fake drum, it hear it in the back going, yeah. And they'd get mad. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a fucking drum machine. Yes. Yes. Of course they're going to get mad. I mean, because it like puts it, they, they perceive it as a threat to, um, you know, perhaps an entire career based on like being a drummer. Is know? it that, or is it also that they are no longer appreciating someone's skill? Like if you hear someone play, mm. There's sure. there's skill to it, and you yes. you enjoy it. You you enjoy like oh look at him go off. Like Bill Burr is really good at the drums, and he yeah. fucking loves drummers and love him. Loves to talk about drummers, and he'll, he'll send me clips of guys going off with drums. Yeah, like people who are really good with drums. Like, and if there's something like you you're getting a per there's a piece of that person that's coming out through their playing. Like if Travis yeah. Barker goes off on the drums. Like that's Travis Barker. Sure, expressing himself. Yeah, well, that's the cool thing about it. There is no threat, essentially. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm speaking, going back to that threat th kind of thing. It's like there is no threat in that that person's going to be who they are, and no one's going to replace a, a drummer. I mean, certainly, I used to play sampled drums on the keyboard live for hip hop groups. You know, so I'd just be but I'm just playing it, but because it has, it's a drum kit sound and it's oversampled or it's it's sampled so that each, however I hit it, if I hit it harder, the snare sounds a little bit harder hit, or if it's softer, it resonates a little bit more. I would get into the, the feel of it. So I was kind of like a keyboard drummer, right? Um, but uh, so there's that crossover element of it. But a lot of drummers, you know, when you're listening to music and you listen to a drum, uh, a beat, you're like, wow, that's a really well done. They just like rhythm. Mm. So it's not really about like, uh, oh, you know, fuck those guys. You know, it's a it's a drum machine. They could have just got a drummer. It's like people don't really think like that anymore. Now, a lot of drummers program their own beats and, and because they just like rhythm. But, uh, you know, of course, a player playing, you just can't. There is no substitution for that, you know, hearing people play. And a lot of drummers started playing like drum machines. Like, remember the end of Erica Badu, or no, the Roots song? That whole thing, that whole song, it, it just starts cycling that melody. And then you hear at the very end, it's so tasteful, at the very, very end, it was when drum and bass was making, was kind of on the scene for a little while, since 95. And you hear at the end, Questlove starts going, he's playing like drum and bass producers uh, making drum and bass beats. So he's mimicking that. And then there was like a bunch of cats in my own town on our jam nights that purposefully would set up a kit where it would have two or three uh, snares, like this guy KJ Saka, monster drummer. Two or three different kits. So essentially, he'd just rotate this way, and he'd have a different kit, different kit here, and a different kit there. Mm. So it'd be... So it would sound like sliced samples stuck together to make a beat, just like they actually made the beats. Right. So you get this call and response that happens. So you get like, here's drum... So there's drum machines, then there's sampled programming, and then you got drummers mimicking... <laughs> sampled programming and then sampled programmers mixing and hybridizing both of those approaches at the same time. So music is like there are no limits and and the 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 confines or the constraints or introduction of new technology is more exciting to me as a creator than Well you're a anything. technology enthusiast though on uh, top yeah. of being a musician so that that yeah. also applies. But it, it's like that there's a difference in whether or not you're appreciating someone's 
artistic manipulation of musical instruments or whether you're just appreciating the final sound. Like for some people yeah. that don't like myself, who's not, I don't know anything about music, but I, I like sounds. I like, oh, yeah. that sounds cool. And if it, the sound comes out of an electronic simulator or mm -hmm. synthesizer, it's cool. But I think there's something that's really special about like the way Gary Clark Jr. plays guitar. Oh, are you kidding? You know me? what I mean? Like, there's oh, yeah. something about like knowing that that's a dude with strings and he's making these wild noises. Oh man, yeah. I mean, you know, do you know Thundercat? Yes. Okay, so Thundercat, genius, total genius, good friend of mine, an amazing. I just I love him so much. He plays the bass like he's playing three instruments at once, right? He's mm. he he's he's one of those guys that's he's a hybrid guy. So he's taking like the idea of multi-track music. And he's playing it live on his bass, mm. so you hear him um, essentially like like how a beatboxer will beatbox, and you think you're hearing the whole sound, the whole song. Like let's say they're doing a cover or whatever, and it's just them. There's no effects; they're just doing it. And you're like, oh, there's the melody line, there's the hook. Oh, and there's that drum beat. Oh, and there's the bass line. But they're doing this trick where some of their some of their body is playing uh, aspects of the rhythm. Melody wise, they're figuring out ways to sneak breaths in. Use an inhale as a rhythm sound, an exhale as a rhythm sound. Then they're using their voice to to put a melody in there. Then sneaking a bass line uh, in between the notes, mm. fluctuating. And there's actually some notes missing, but your brain fills it in because it's a cover. You've heard it before, so it's a trick. So they're essentially suggesting the things you already know by constantly referencing them, but they're sewing it together in one thing. And 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 uh, Thundercats the same way. He's like playing rhythms, chords, melodies at the same time, all oh. at the same time. And it's just mind-blowing. I love watching musicians. And like is this that. his own sort of style that he's created? Yeah, it's kind of like, imagine like, uh, it's an evolution of jazz fusion. So Jaco Pastorius, for instance, like the, you know, the innovator of fretless electric uh, bass, bass guitar. Um, and then you got like, uh, uh, I'm forgetting his name, Clark. His last name is Clark, but he was a giant hands, amazing bass player, uh, or Pino Palladino. You know, like they're these monster bass players. They have like five string basses, you know, just like thick necked basses, and they're playing. What's a normal bass have? How many four. strings? Four. Four strings, yeah. And then you got five, sometimes even six string basses. Really? They're, they're just insane. And so you got like people that are hybridizing. It's like, this is my instrument. I learned on a four string. I can like hold it down. I can do this. I can do that, but I want more. So they start figuring out ways to sneak in, like, oh, now I'm going to make a sound. If I hit the body of the instrument, the pickups, I put in a different pickup. So when I hit the body of the instrument, it sounds like a drum sound. So now I'm, like, hitting it, strumming, doing uh, hammer-ons so I don't actually need to be strumming, and I'm hitting, doing melodies, still playing a melody on the fretboard, and then then pulling, slapping, uh, you know. It's, it's crazy. But, um, yes, but to your point, musicianship, to see it, is amazing, but there are there are musicians. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. Short term memory gone. He plays a grid, uh, which was like pretty popular like six or seven years ago. There's just a, it's just a grid of lights, and you assign sounds to it. And he's playing both of them with his hands. So he's playing samples and beats and rhythms that sounds like electronic tracks. And when you're hearing it, you're like, oh, he's just playing along to a track. It's like, no, he's doing everything. At once, so it sounds like a full-on techno track. Huh. But he's like, you know, and but he's like, you know, it's insane to me. It's funny how people like to dismiss certain things as being like either not 
legitimate or not good enough, like scratching, like DJs. Oh, like some DJs, they they yeah, they are sampling other people's music, mm -hmm. but the way they're putting it together is unique and it's really entertaining. Like there's something cool about it. Like, you yeah. know, Russell Peters is a legit G DJ. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Mm -mm. Yeah, Russell's mm -mm. legit. And you talk to Russell about DJs yeah. that are not really DJs. They just yeah. press play on their yes. laptop. He gets furious. Yes. He fucking hates it because he really spins records. He's yes. got the headphones. He's doing the whole thing. Yeah, he's and, mixing live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, essentially, like, you know, people that I've I've been asked to DJ parties and I'm literally, I, it's what what you call selectors. You can be a selector. Don't call yourself a DJ. You can mm -hmm. call yourself a selector. You're just someone who's like, oh, well, oh, this song would be nice next, you know. And then you press you, the the song ends, and then you press play for the next song. That's but isn't DJ is a weird word, right? Because it used to be disc jockey, yep. which is a guy on the radio that just played songs. Right, that's true. So that's yeah. the original DJ had yes. nothing to do with mixing. Not 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 technically. I mean, other than the records, right? right. So like back in the day, like oh, I had a record player, and the guy's like, oh, wait a minute, what? And I'm like, oh, but if I also use the volume fader, so that so they are they were still a DJ technically, but not but the guys who were on like Wolfman Jack. Like, hey, everybody's Wolfman Jack. Yeah, here. they were Come just on. DJs. Yeah, like that true. was the original deal. Like the word DJ changed. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. No, but it just you know it's how we develop things. Like, hey, Mr. DJ, you know, it's just yeah, there's still a disc jockey. The DJ I, saved my yeah. life from a broken heart. Yes, <laughs> I mean, oh god, I mean, it's so funny when you talk about artifice and. You know the difference between like like let's say uh, produced music uh, versus um, that uses samples and drum machines and things like that, and then uh, performed music, live music. It's interesting the era that we're in now. I would say arguably for the last ten, fifteen years, moved away from bands uh, so much. I mean, bands still exist on the in in. Um, in subculture for sure and you know and you'll see them like on alternative magazines and there's tons of bands there's bands still but the stuff that hits the mainstream that you get uh, essentially like Nickelodeon Disney um, artists that get installed as pop stars right mm -hmm. nothing against them they're fine people or whatever but the system is based off the, the real stars of this system are producers it's producer based music so the producer is kind of the star the singer is kind of the front person. Mm. So they're the face of it, right? So they represent the music. So in a way, it's kind of like corporate music. You know, it's like their tracks, like some of them can be like really great sounding, but but then you look at the liner notes and 14 songwriters, you know, whether mm. that's true or not, some people just want to be included because they're in the room or whatever. But you get like credits of like 14 songwriters, seven songwriters, five songwriters. Um, and then the producer is really the one that makes it all shine. It's not like Fleetwood Mac you know, sitting down and recording rumors, you right, know, which right, is a right. whole different thing. When you hear that, you're like, oh my God, this is so beautiful and yeah. uh, constructed in the musicianship and the production, blah, 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 blah. Now you get tracks that, you know, they're cool. They're, I mean, they're fine. They sound good in the club and all of that stuff. But in comparison, it's a different, it's a complete paradigm shift. It's mm. interesting. It's gotta be so difficult to get a bunch of people that are really creative to agree how music comes together like if you get five people that are in a band and you know you got your guitar player your lead singer the drummer everybody's all together and they have to figure out how to agree <laughs> right that's yeah. got to be so difficult because you have egos and different visions and different creativity and 
I think yeah. the drum solo should be longer. <laughs> well, you know, it, it depends on the situation, right? Because sometimes there's a songwriter, right? There's one songwriter in the band, or there's two songwriters in the band. The band's a five-piece. So essentially, in a f healthy, functioning group of musicians, whether it's collectively created or whether it's steered by one or two people, they all agree that they're in service of what the music wants to be. So, mm. so like when you hear something like, oh, that's dope. Play, can you play that again? Like, oh yeah. Oh, that's dope. Hold on. I got an idea. It's, it's more like that. It's in a healthy situation. You're just, you're hearing something, you're inspired and you're adding something. And then someone's like, okay, great. And like, yeah, but we need a, we need a bridge or something. It's like, well, I was kind of messing with these chords and like, uh, actually I like that, but can you change that third chord? Oh, like this? Like, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's kind of like in my best healthy experiences, that's how music is made because you're not like personally generating the music. You're listening to something that wants to exist in the world and you're kind of in service of it is mm. generally how I like to look at it. Some people will, yeah, their ego will, their, their eagle, their ego will, <laughs> will come into it. But uh, their, their ego will get into it and they start to confuse where they're getting their ideas from because they start to claim full responsibility for it. Right, but think about how many great bands fall apart because of mm -hmm. personality battles. Totally. You know? Yeah, especially when they started in a great place. Yeah. You know, when a band starts and they're like, oh yeah, we were having so much fun and then something happened, we got more yeah. fame. You Somebody know, brings their girlfriend into the recording session. Somebody sessions. brings their girlfriend into the recording sessions session or their ma a manager you know gets involved mm. and starts oh, dividing yeah. people and going, hey man you know you're the real star you know that yes, kind of stuff right? that kind of shit yeah and then it, oh my god that's so common if that happens like i'm out of there that's not why i'm doing what i'm doing it's yeah. like you know i had this thing with uh uh louis back in the day louis ck like so i had i did this gig he wanted me to do his or he had me be like kind of a music coordinator for louis the the series and uh, they said, here's the budget, right? Um, can you duplicate all of these songs for my series? Because I, we don't want to pay the licensing fee for the actual track. So we want sound-alikes, right, to these his tracks that he wanted to be on the thing. So I was like, okay, cool. I got together like a sick dude, uh, my friend Matt Kilmer, who's an amazing uh, frame drummer, drum, drum uh, player, producer guy. He comes in. Finds these really cool group of guys. They they come together. They're all improvisers. They're super fast. I have a list of music we're supposed to replicate. We just go through it. Matt's guiding them through it, MDing the whole thing. I'm just kind of coordinating. We get everything done, and then uh, and then at the end of it, we're like, cool. We got all the songs. They're like, yeah, we love it. And I'm like, now we just need to to mix the songs. And then they're like, whoa, 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 way, uh, uh, you know, no one say anything about mixing. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, no, mixing is an important part of music, right? You make the music, you record the music, now it needs to be mixed to sound really great, and then it needs to be mastered. And so, so they like didn't get that, or they pretended like they didn't get it, and then they were like saying, well, we're gonna have to take that out of your fee, or whatever. And so, uh, so I was like, no, what? Why? Why? What's happening? And then it just kept going back and forth with the producers about like, yeah, you know, that's not cool. You didn't tell us. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Keep all my money. Use it for the recording session. I'd suggest you keep Matt because he's the guy who really did all the heavy lifting. And I'm out of here. And I just left because there's no point. I'm not in this industry. I'm not in the entertainment industry to, uh, because I, I because it's all about money and all about opportunity. Mm -hmm. I just want to have a good time. You want to create. I want to create and I want to have a good time. And if someone starts to make a big deal about something. So they just didn't understand the process of making music. That's and what they said. 
They, you th so you think they did and they were being manipulative because they wanted to save money? I, I don't want to say either way necessarily, but it was it felt shady to me. It felt like maybe they didn't know, then they then they figured it out that that's true, but then they still stuck with their story. Reggie Watts, you had a Hollywood moment. I had a Hollywood moment. <laughs> it was like I was like, whoa, <clears throat> this is that thing that oh, oh yeah, this God. this this happens or whatever, and you know, and but you know, the good thing is they kept the dude. You know, Matt Matt Kilmer did the music, uh, MD the music for the for the next uh, season. I don't know how many more seasons they did, but at least the second season. So that was good. I knew he had a gig. He was really good at it. You know, we we figured it out. But th my point is, like, if it becomes if a process becomes too difficult and everyone's like being super tedious about it, and you're talking about making something like mm -hmm. a piece of art, I'm I'm like, you know what? Let's just simplify it and like cut the thing that we're having a problem with. Or if it's too much trouble, let's just not do it because right. it's not fucking worth it. It's like we're here to have a good time. Yeah. You know? Well, also, you don't need it. You know, you have a lot of things going on. Like sure. you can just walk away. Yeah, true. But I mean, but arguably, just to keep it real, I mean, back in the day when I wasn't really making dough, you know, and I was like just, you know, gig to gig making, barely making rent or whatever. If a project was like too difficult, I'd, I just had to get out of there. It's just not. It's not worth it to me. Like I would rather just like figure out like, ah, oh, shit. How am I going to borrow money to make rent rather than like continue to like go to a rehearsal space where it yeah. feels shitty? Isn't that that's it's so interesting because like if it all comes together, whether it's with comedy or with anything else, it's some creative venture, some sort of thing where you're just trying to make something, it comes together and it feels great. But then if you're doing that and then you got some situation. Like you got some executive mm -hmm. that stepped in has decided to put their greasy little fingerprints all over everything and manipulate stuff and tweak things and tell you what you can and can't do and pull their dick out. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> now, what have we done? We've gotten mixed up with commerce and <sighs> yeah. nonsense and non-creative people. Yes. It's the number one problem with television shows. When you, you mm -hmm. have the creative people, the artists and the, the performers, and then they interact with the executives yes. who are almost never creative and counter often to creativity a hundred percent a hundred percent well that's why if you have a producer that's willing to fight for the vision of a piece mm -hmm. and you also set the criteria before you get into it that's yeah. the important thing it's like but once you get going man people reveal their true selves that that's that's the problem yeah that's true and even but even in that situation it's like i mean i've been really lucky I, i've had maybe two experience hollywood experiences like the one i uh, i described but like um, most of the time it's like if you're a judge of character and you know, it feels good when you come sit down at the meeting and they're talking a good game and you know talk to other people who've worked with them and they're like they're really great you can avoid all that shit mm -hmm. you know or if you work with someone like uh, Netflix who's just like uh, are you gonna make it yeah okay well, we'll see you when it's made yeah that's about it. You That's know? what they do with stand-up specials. That's what they did with my special which yeah. was super weird. It's amazing. And they were like okay cool Great job. I was like, that's how you do it. That's how you set the precedent. Yeah. You just, you just, you just like allow the artist who, if you're, if you have a meeting with the artist and they have a very clear vision and they've laid it out and they've got really great team around them, then just let them do the thing. Yes. Yeah. They've, they're, they've been great with that. Netflix is probably the best ever at just letting you do a special. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Which I, mean, I had a conversation yeah. once before I did a Comedy Central special. And uh, we went over the phone. Uh, we had a phone call, and they said, okay, we have a transcript of your act, and we'd like to talk to you about various bits. And they're like, okay, this we've got to change. I'm like, what do you mean we've got to change? And they go, well, it would be better if you didn't say it like that. I go, stop. We're done. Mm -mm. Like the, the phone call was like 10 minutes long. It was supposed to be an hour conversation. I was like, 
we can't do this. No. I go, thank you, thank you, but I'm not going to do it. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing it. It's, we're not, we can't do this. I can't do this special. There's no, there's no way I, I'm going to go over the transcript on the phone with you yeah. of my act. Because first of all, I'm not even going to say it the way it's on the, the transcript was one set at the comedy store right. that we recorded and then someone transcribed. Like yeah. I might not do it that way in front of a live audience because I'm kind of free flowing. I fuck around. I mix things up. I I do. I'll do this bit third instead of first, and that bit fifth, and they'll tie together in a different way because I feel it in the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just not. There's no way I could do that. You know that. Well, first of all, I don't have a transcript, so that's <laughs> that, that's that gives me a little bit of an edge. They yeah. just have to trust that I'm. I mean, the first time I did the was it the Tonight Show or no the Fallon Show before he had the Tonight Show was it just the Jimmy Fallon Show? What was it? I think it was just the Jimmy Fallon. He had show. a show before the Tonight Show. I, yeah, it was just the. I think it was just Jimmy Fallon. Was he like late, late yeah, night it was or a, something? It was a late night show. I, like I be- he had the I Conan believe. O'Brien spot or something. Is that correct? Uh, anyways, what, maybe it was that. I'm I'm sorry. Are you I'm thinking confused. of Carson Daly? No, 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 no. Definitely not Carson Daly. It was uh It was when Fallon. He well, I guess he's still in New York, but he was in New York. He was doing the show. The Roots were the band, and my friend. Todd was working as a writer there, and they suggested I do a set there to be to do a live comedy set. And uh, the, the producers, were, I remember the producers calling me. We had a phone meeting or whatever with my manager and stuff. And they were just like, um, "Yeah, do you have any examples of what you're going to do?" And I'm like, "No." Like, um, "Do you have a transcript?" I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Well, do you? Are you? Uh, what? Oh, well, we'll get back to you." And then they they let me do it. And I remember like the producer paging the curtain for me before I was going out, and he's like, "You're not going to do anything." Like embarrassing to, to us, and I'm like, no, man, no, it's fine, you know, whatever. And they let me go, and I knew that they were like so nervous about it because they didn't have any, you know, there was nothing to verify with what I was going to do. And then I did my set, and it was totally fine, right? But um, the thing is, like, I've built in the ability for people that you're either going to like want me or not. Yeah, it's not like can right, you modify your. You figured your way through the net. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, if they say like you shouldn't swear, I'll do that. That's easy. Yeah, that's, that's super easy. I don't swear a lot, and when I do swear, it's just to be absurd. Yeah, but uh, but you know, it's funny. It reminds me of uh, you were talking about like kind of people coming in and ruining ideas or whatever. It's like my whole thing with like uh, you know, I started this a little bit of a plug, but I started my own app called WhatsApp. Um, and uh, what is it? It's a. It's like a. Think of it as like my own uh, social media uh, account, if you will. It's just like essentially like a glorified website, right? But it's an app. You go on there. All my videos are on there or videos that I want to be on there. My, I have this stupid web series called Drone Droneversations, which is me interviewing people, but it's all shot on drones. And the, hmm. dro- the, dro- the drones are super loud and you can barely hear the conversation. <laughs> How long did you develop this app for? Uh, we developed it for like it's my friend uh, Oliver Thomas Klein, who's a genius. Um, it probably took maybe like a, maybe a year to build it's, or less. It's a conversation getting an app going. I yeah. uh, I was looking to get an app going a few years back. Yeah, and I met with some people and the numbers they were throwing around. Oh, I was man. like, wait, how much? Oh yeah, I remember being quoted like close to two hundred grand. 
Oh, I was double that. Really? More. Yeah, it was like half a million bucks. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that I, wasn't even sure. They weren't even sure we could right. get it done with that. And I was like, like here's it's like I was building a house. Here's the initial estimate. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I worked with some really great people. My friend Sasha, who's a, a brilliant uh, creative uh, advertising person, she now has her own company, but uh, she sells this product called Period Pants, which is like period pants for, for women um, <laughs> with like this no bullshit kind of thing, like, like, Whatever women's hygiene can be simplified, we have a solution for it. What is the and solution? It's they're called period pants. They're like, what, they, what do they do? They're, they're underwear that have an absorbent material in it. It's not a new built concept. into the pants. Built into the pants, so the pant itself is the absorbent. So thing. you got a padding in the pants. Yes. And do you Velcro it out and throw mm, it in the wash? No. Well, no. You wash the whole thing, just like underpants. So essentially, oh. it's just like special underpants that have a, an absorb uh, absorption layer to it, okay. which is fucking brilliant. And her aver- her her campaign is brilliant. She did Impossible, the first Impossible Burger campaign. Um, impossible, like the whole. The whole thing, like the all th- the image of it and how it was presented, that was all Sasha Markov. But, mm. but um, she she linked me to some people, some des- designers who are really amazing people. And I sat down, designed with them, and like thought about all the stuff. And they're like, cool. Let me find a you know development team. Get back to you. And the budget was like, you know, I was like, I was thinking about like thirty grand, thirty five grand. And they're like, how about one hundred ninety? And I'm like. I don't. I don't <laughs> have that money. That's like That's a lot of so money. So much money. So much money. And then, uh, and then Sasha was like, "No, no, no, no. There's got to be someone else." And then she found a producer who then linked me to Thomas Oliver Klein, uh, or Oliver Thomas Klein, and um, <laughs> and uh, he gets on the the, the uh, video call with us. And I'm like, "This is what I want to do. Uh, 30, 30, 35 grand." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I can do that." Really? And I was like, "For real?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he did it. Thirty-five grand. I had my app. Now we've made a, you know additions to it that have cost more, you know, to, to implement. But he was completely accurate. It was one dude, and my app was made. I have a friend who has an app for meditation. He built this app and then had to redesign the entire thing and start all over again with a new team. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, I mean, with mine, it's great because we thought about modularity and, and expansion from the beginning. And he's mm-hmm. a super smart dude. He's into crypto and all that stuff, even before crypto was crypto. Is he into Dogecoin? Dogecoin. How do you say it? Doge. Does anybody really know how to say it? Dogecoin? It's, it's Doge. It? Doge. Yeah, it's Dogecoin. Yeah, Doge. <laughs> Doge. But, you know, and I was just like, you know, Instagram's great, but it's you're at the whim of their aesthetics. You know, plus you're being tracked, and it's all about, it's really just a and shopping. And they can just decide to demonetize you, or rather deplatform you, yep. or just shadow ban you, or yeah, algorithm yeah. algorithmize you, or whatever. Yeah, you know? and if you develop an application, and that application is a hundred percent you, yeah, then you're free. Yes, that's totally it, and that's that's why I did it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to put Drumversations up there, you know. And Drumversations, I had Thundercats. Let me see Drumversations. Yeah, throw we, are there any of them online? Can we watch? Uh, yes, I have to well, do the app. I, no, I think there might be some online. Yeah, there's there's Jack White, um, Feist, um, Thundercat. Uh, Go to Thundercat. Yeah, Thundercat. Fred Armisen. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, and it's just, it's it's a stupid idea, but I wanted to do it for so long. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to become my own production company and just, I'm going to stop pitching. I mean, I'll keep pitching, but like, I'm going to, if no one's into an idea, I'm just going to make it. So, yeah. so this was one of the first, put it on the app and then I put pictures on there. I have like, you know, I can send messages to fans. So I'll be like, Hey, you look cute today ah, or as a notification cool. or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and it doesn't cost anything. There's no monetization. I have a store. 
So that's a hard thing, right? I go to a store, there's a price, I pay that price. That there's no hidden costs. Everything is transparent. Oh, that's really dope. So and, that's such a Reggie Watts thing to do. Oh man, you have no idea. <laughs> I was like so stoked. And then I'm gonna do the first. Uh, well, I don't know if it's the first, but volumetric live stream because I have live streaming on it too. Mm. So it's only one I can find. For okay. Reason, but. Oh yeah, this is me and JoJo. Let me hear this. Swimming for like half an hour, super hard, and I was like, cool. <laughs> I would just be swimming all the time, and that'd be a great way to burn calories. You have a Chinese you know, rice farmer's hat on. So easy I to do. notice. You're just fucking around. You can do it forever. People, I mean, yeah. old people like to do it. Yeah. And you're, and she's, you're both it. wearing masks. Yeah. yeah. And you're outside. The, well, this was the early days. Like uh, beating myself up. For oh, but now she gave up on the mask. Now it's oh. a chin strap. I yeah. that energy. <laughs> oh, really? That's yeah. what that shit's about? Yeah. Do you tend to write about your life experiences? Like, that's yeah, and I'm sick of myself. Okay. It's so stupid. It's so ridiculous. It's so dumb. That's the dumbest it's like shit ever. It's like you attacked by bees. Yeah, so it's just constant. Um, and uh, yeah, there's some great, the, the Fred Armisen one's great because- Where did you film this? This is at that, oh, I forget, Elysian. Um, it's on the edge of Elysian and that sculpt, uh, that sculpture, this oh, right there is, is uh, it's, it's on the edge of Elysian. It's got this beautiful um, shot of downtown. And I was super into her single, and so I wanted to like have the show turn into a music video, <laughs> and just suddenly out of nowhere, and it and it totally turns into that the music video, and uh, it's it, it's just a fun idea to do, and I wanted a platform that I can do this on, and and like, you know, and so I'm doing this live stream thing um, with this crew called uh, Fifth Planet, and they do volumetric capture, which is basically a bunch of uh, Microsoft. Azure Connect cameras in a circle around you. And in real time, you can actually manipulate the camera. Like while I'm doing a video, you can actually manipulate the raw feed. And um, so it'll look, I wish there was a way to show you, but uh, there, there's a, it looks like a, it looks like science fiction, like a hologram, but oh. you're just kind of doing, but I'm doing a bunch of experiments. And so I'm gonna do three of those, three of those as a live stream, some comedy or whatever in a studio. So you can watch on, on WhatsApp. And then later, that will become a full compressed music video with uh, beautiful sound and everything. And that will be put on a looking glass portrait holographic display. So, so I'm now producing content for the looking glass holographic display, which doesn't require glasses. You're just looking at this this frame and there are just holograms inside of it. It looks like a box with things Whoa. happening inside of it. You don't need glasses for. And so, um, and they're planning on, you know, scaling. So you eventually imagine you're gonna have a 50 inch holographic display using a technology that just it projects like 45 different angles simultaneously and your brain puts it together as three dimensional. Oh, wow. So it's, it's an incredible technology and I've known those guys way back since 2010 when they just had like a box with a bunch of LEDs inside of it. Whatever happened to Magic Leap? Do you remember I, those the, sort of misleading they kind of disappeared, commercials? They? they showed you like a ballerina dancing on a yeah, man's hand. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it, on the, a girl's bed. Is yeah, that what it was? yeah. The AR shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, the great AR future. You know, there's like this huge promise of like, oh, you'll be, be able to put on a pair of glasses and blah, blah, blah. And, right. And, and that's still being worked on, and Apple will release something like that in the future. But. You know, it's still pretty limited, but what's exciting about like the looking glass technology is like a bunch of friends can walk into a room. If that was your monitor, they would see it just happening immediately. Mm. And you don't need any special gear, it's just happening. And it looks fucking fantastic. Mm. So I want to produce, I'm going to produce, 
I'm going to do this uh, a scene with actors. It's going to be a really dumb scene with actors. But because all the camera angles are happening simultaneously, I'm going to take the feed, give it to a traditional editor, and they're going to rotate, push in, create the, you know, the insert shot of someone setting down a cup, the two shot, the master shot, the singles, just from the one performance. Oh, wow. So that's my so like- So all the information's there. Exactly, yes. Now the resolution might be kind of crappy when you push in you know, to something mm -hmm. that's, even though it's 4K 60 frames, you're like, someone's sending down a glass. It might look artifacty and stupid, but I don't really care. It's mm. about like, can we create a traditional 2D linear edit with volumetric capture, which is the holy grail of filmmaking in the future. That'll be one of the things we'll use. But so I'm excited about that. So I'm running that, that experiment, that si same live session as well. Have you fucked around at all with VR movies? Yes, I made a, I made a, something called Waves with my friend ben, uh, Benjamin Dickinson um, that had uh, Natalie uh, from uh, uh, Game of Thrones uh, in it, but yeah, it was just like a you put on the VR headset and it's a movie. It's who's, not interactive. Who's Natalie from the Game of Thrones? Which one? Is she? Uh, I feel terrible that I'm. She's gonna kill me. Um, um, you'd know her. Uh, Cersei's. Oh, there you go. There she is. Yeah, there she is. Yeah. Reggie Watts is no stranger to well uh, to pushing the boundaries of both technology and humor, and he just found a way to do both at once. Yeah. Uh, oh wow. <laughs> Oh wow! So this is all in VR, dude. And it's a story; crazy. it's not interactive. That's why it's when you say movie, that's what it was. Wow! And you did all this with a green screen like this? Yeah. Wow! And she was so cool. She was doing Game of Thrones, and she had no; she didn't have to do it at all. And she was like, "Sure, let's let's go for it." Wow! Yeah, and I've never even seen this. That's crazy. Yeah, so, and this was all my design, like, you know, the whole, I mean, not the design design, but the I, the concepts were mm -hmm. there, the designer obviously made it happen, but, um, so that was my first thing, me and Ben did that, and. When did you, how long ago was this? That's a long time ago, it was like, uh, I want to say 2017? Yeah, um, let me say 2007, no, I think it was earlier than 2007, well, no, actually it was 2017, 2017, and since then I've done like social VR on alt space, I've done Sansar, oh. um, you know, uh, and right now, oh, and then there's this company called 3D Live that I just saw an NFT installation on the 59th floor of the US Bank Tower just this last weekend. You wore 3D glasses, floor to ceiling display, I, I don't know, 60 feet across and a wrap around. 3D glasses, the NFTs are floating holographically in, in the center of the room. Jesus. There was like rings that appear from the monitor and then they just kind of ring out and the rings are floating in front of you and you can like kind of put your hands in it and it's rotating around. It was insane and I couldn't believe it. And so I'm like, well now I need to do a performance with that. And now I'm gonna do a performance with, because the guy who, who did, his name's Young Orbseer, he was the guy showing his NFTs in the gallery. He used to work, or he I guess he still works for 3D Life, but he used to be behind the scenes. Now he's like made his own installation, these NFTs. Mind hold, hold, please. Yeah. Explain NFTs to people mm -hmm. that don't know what you're talking about, because I don't know what you're talking about. I right. do, but I don't. I right. know it's a non-fungible token. Yes. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's just not very fungible. You know, tokens oh. are super fungible. Got it. These aren't very fungible. I don't even know if I could, if I, if I was on Jeopardy, what is fungible? Fungible. Uh, fungible. I don't what even know. What does fungible, fungible mean? 
Okay, let's, I think, let's Google it. Fuck it means duplicatable. Fuck yeah, like duplicatable maybe or something. Let's Google it. Yeah, Google it. What is the... What is the... Jujal. Or go to DuckDuckGo so they'll give oh, you yeah, the yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Give me the truth. Uh, fungible. Okay, here it goes. It's like an economic term. Oh, of goods connected oh. for without an individual specimen being specified, able to replace or be replaced by another identical item, mutually interchangeable. It is by no means the world's only fungible commodity. Okay, I know oh, it. Oh, yeah. I understand it even less now. Yeah, I've, I, I have heard of fungible like done, <laughs> used in economics. But yeah. So, but you can't replicate. So, yeah, non-fungible. So, basically, mm -hmm. it's like I have, I've made a little video of me, or yeah, I've made a video of me, a 30 second video of me like running around, uh, you know, a park or something like that. If I want to make that non-fungible, then I mint it. And by minting, um, you use a minting service like Foundation or Zora, there's, a, there's many others. And um, you get a crypto wallet <laughs> and uh, you get the crypto wallet set up you put money in it, it's converted into the crypto of your choice. So let's say ETH, which is very popular. Ethereum. What? Ethereum. Is That's a, a very popular is a token. crypto. Do you yeah. know about that? Yeah, ETH. Yeah. Fucking nerds. ETH. <laughs> Actually, it's. Uh, but yeah, so so these are some these are NFTs, NFTs that we created. So so see that one on the the very top left. Yeah. That's that's um a ho that's the Looking Glass holographic display. Oh wow. And um and so that device we made a an NFT. Me and my friend Panther Modern, who, his name is Brady Keen. Check out his music; it's fucking disgusting. But uh, so he made the three D gra motion graphics and the TVs and designed all of that stuff with the wires. We shot a bunch of video of me doing the thing. He put inserted them on the TV screens, and then we um, formatted it. It's on a loop. It's got music with it, and uh, that is then put into this device. And so. I'm trying to push this phrase called fidgetal, meaning the convergence of physical and digital media. Mm -hmm. So that's like a perfect representation because it's the NFT is sold with the device. So when you bid on it and you know you win it or whatever, that device is sent to you. There's laser etching on the back that says the name of the piece, who made it, and so forth. Mm -hmm. But technically, it's that unit with the hologram. So it's the world's first holographic NFT, which was bought by... Uh, Lee, what's his name? Charlie Lee? Charlie Lee, who created Litecoin, another <laughs> cryptocurrency. He bought it for almost nothing. And uh, so he now has the physical unit that has the hologram in it, and you could ostensibly just put it on a shelf and call it good, or you can use the display to upload more holographic stuff if you want to. So that was the first holographic NFT. Those other videos that you saw cycling were just standard. Here's a video. We've made it an NFT. But then someone can't replicate that exactly. video? They hold the license to it. Right, but if you just replicate it and have it on your laptop, how's someone gonna stop you? I mean, I guess if you're trying to make money from it, then, right, then you, you couldn't. Yeah, right. something like you that. You wouldn't be able to make money off of it. You wouldn't be able to make money off of it. I mean, technically you could screenshot it, you could screen capture it, you know, if it's a video. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, it's a hologram, so you would have to just, you'd have to have a looking glass device and then you'd have to get the file in order to see it, which it is available. But it's stunning when you hear guys like Beeple like people yes. sold an NFT for what, 59, $69 million? Yeah. He's got a little more with his package, though. You get a hair sample. Oh, yeah. You get and his own hair. Is that his pubes? It could be. I hope so. I don't know if he's. <laughs> he's got very so, long, luscious pubes. Wh so, like, what he do you sends get? a whole package when you get his NFT. Okay. So, you get an image? This is, I think this is like an iPad with the image on it. The one that sold for a bunch, I believe, was all of them together yeah, all in of one them. video, yep. sort of. So not all just of the one. art for a year. It's like yeah. 5,000 pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, someone bought it for $69 million in what, Bitcoin or what? Mm, 
Yeah, I think ETH. They have to. Probably, they have yeah. to buy the auction is in ETH. So Christie's, you know, it's like it was auctioned by Christie's. It was like ETH was. I think it was in ETH. And then, how would you w- go about being actually rich with this? Like, how does Beeple go from this to being a baller? Oh well, I mean. Well, you know, they bid, whoever bids, it, you know, just like a regular auction, and then they bid using crypto, and the crypto's transferred before they transfer the file to the... the so the $69 million in ETH, he could mm-hmm. actually put into his account. Yes. You and can now just, he has 69 actual it. million dollars. Yeah, you just convert it. And he can get a Ferrari. Yeah, you could you could get one Ferrari for sixty nine million. The thing with ETH though, with, <laughs> with some of these contracts, like I don't know specifically which one is, I heard him mention this. He has a. Uh, it's built into the contract. So if the person who bought it for sixty nine million sells it for a hundred million, ten percent of that goes back to his wallet. So yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Ten million yeah. dollars. From oh that yeah, you set the resale. So like on ours, we did fifteen percent, which is the average. Are you aware of the controversy surrounding the male Mona Lisa? Do you know the story about this? The male Lisa? No. No. Yeah. It's um. <laughs> There's the most expensive painting ever sold. It was sold for $400 million to uh, the bin Salam, what is, excuse, what is his name? Salaman. Mohammed oh. bin Salam, the, is that, am I saying his name right? The MBS. head of Saudi Arabia? MBS. MBS. Okay. What, what is his actual name though, I'm sorry. I, I think you were close. I fucked it up. It's probably Brian Saunders. Mohammed bin Salaman. No, close. Salman. Salman, yeah. Salman. Okay, the MBS, the, the head of Saudi Arabia, bought it for $450 million. This is it. And the crazy thing is someone bought it at one point in time in the past, I want to say for $1,500, and they didn't realize that it may or may not be, because this is where it gets controversial, may or may not be the work of Leonardo da Vinci. So it was Ooh. it was restored so go, do the history of this, the controversy and the history of it. There's a documentary about it. Yeah, there's a, cr- there's a crazy history to it um, where someone bought it for an extremely low amount and then a Russian oligarch bought it for over $100 million. See, $1,175 at an attic sale in New Orleans for a dirty painting that he hadn't even seen. After a painstaking restoration that I think took a decade, some began whispering that it might be the, by the master himself. So an art dealer in 2005 paid $1,175 for it. So 16 years ago, someone paid $1,175 for the most expensive painting ever sold. So then this guy, go down, scroll oh, down. I can't get this article. Is, uh, oh, it's one of them. Oh, it's the one economist. of them. Um, there's a bunch of other articles that are free that you could read about it, but it's, uh, it's a crazy story. So this... This person, I believe, started working on it in 2005, started the restoration. And then by the time, I think it was around 2015, they started realizing, like, holy shit. Because I guess sometimes in the past, someone would take a great painting and they would paint over it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've heard of this. Which is crazy. Yes. And so then there's this insanely painstaking restoration holy project shit. where you're removing layer upon layer upon layer what sixty dollars this was sold for in 1958 sixty dollars so it gets even crazier yeah this is an article from 2017 where it was on auction for even less than it was just sold for yeah so, so, so it was on auction for a hundred million dollars then and that's when it was bought by the russian oligarch before MBS bought it. So is the controversy that the person who originally bought it should get a kickback because they no. didn't know the value? Yeah. No. Here's the controversy. The controversy is it may not be by Leonardo da Vinci at all. 
I see. And or it might be partly by Da Vinci. And I so see. Google this. There's a scan of the image. And I don't understand the technology involved in the scan, but the scan apparently revealed that there's more than one era of painting or there's more than one application of painting, meaning mm. that more than one person worked on it at more than one time. Like an ex exquisite corpse. Oh, Hidden drawing. Lisa, so this might not. No, no, this doesn't reveal it. This is not it. It's, okay. it's about there was a digital scan of that painting. What is it called again? It said male Mona Lisa. I don't know. It's there's another name for it. Okay. There's a there's a name for that painting. I forget what it is, but Salvatore no. Mundi. Mundi. Yeah. yeah. Salvatore Mundi. So when they did the scan, there's something about the hands and the way the paint is done on that in relation to the rest of it. That it's like, you know, they're talking about like fucking microns. They're, they're measuring depth yes. and layers and age and all sorts of different shit and. They try, but it's, well, you're dealing with $450 million for a fucking painting. Jesus. So it gets down to this Here, dispute. This is a long page about it. Okay, see if you can see this, the, the images, because there's images of the uh, the analysis. If you scroll down. It's a beautiful painting. Yeah, it is very beautiful. Oh, but there there's, there's images. Is that what it used to look like on the right? I, I think, think that's, that's what it what used to is, look yeah. like. And then they slowly but surely restored it to the point where it's at now. Um. Is that what it looks like? So, there's so like versions of it. Too, people apparently. would, yeah. There's more than one version of it. So people would buy paintings, like you know, a hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, and just fucking start scribbling on Ugh, it. Look at that detail. And paint over it. Yeah. So they had to go over these things oh, to wow. restore Jesus. them, like insanely painstaking. Like I said, it took like ten years to to restore well, this. I see. I see. They're doing like these. This is a what do you call it? Cross section yeah. analysis. Yeah, yeah, wild cause, shit. Yeah, because they have to find like what is the original paint color, so they have to find the original layer. Exactly. So that's what it used to look like. Imagine that, and then they bring it from that to what you see now. Like, look at that. Oh wow, that crazy. So, so but what does that mean then? Do they paint over it? Like, how do they do that? I mean, that's... does someone paint over the old paint and make it look better? Is that better? Like, isn't it better to be scratchy <clears throat> and all fucked up and the original I know. painting? I know. I know. It's it's. Yeah, I guess it just depends on what you want, right? I mean, but that's the problem with this painting. So, after all that, after buying it for four hundred fifty million dollars, it's currently in controversial dispute as to whether or not it's actually the work of Leonardo da Vinci. So Makes sense. They he they wanted him to uh, donate it to the Louvre in Paris. Yeah, but they were like. We're not going to put it next to the Mona Lisa. He wanted it to be next to the Mona Lisa as the male Mona Lisa, oh. the Mona Lisa and the male Mona Lisa. And they're like, uh-uh. They're like, we don't, we don't, we're not going to give this the red stamp. We don't even know if this is real. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's just, oh man, could you imagine that that feeling of being rejected like that? And well, you're like, imagine oh, when you're that guy. Have it. You're that guy. I mean, oh. this is the guy that allegedly killed uh, Jamal yeah. Khashoggi. Yeah, yeah. For criticizing his regime. Yes. Right. Um, and have you ever seen that movie, The Dissident, which is an incredible oh, movie by what? Brian Fogle that details all the the, the the events that took place? Oh, no, that? I haven't seen that. Crazy. But so he, he's the one that's in possession of this painting, and that's now it's crazy. currently on his yacht. So this $450 million painting is on his yacht. And so art fanatics are like, you can't have a painting on a yacht. Like well, that's, that's four. Yeah. Well, not just that. The con the climate, 
Like to have oh, these. Oh, you're right. The seawater. Yes. To have these paintings. I mean, maybe he only had it for a day, or maybe he only had it like to tell everybody he had it there. Yeah. Maybe he actually has it in a climate like a control yeah, room. I imagine he would. I mean, come on. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's balling out of his mind. Yeah. He's that's... buying four hundred fifty million dollar paintings. He might be peeing on it right now. But that's nothing. To, that's nothing. He might to do him. whatever he wants. Right, he can do whatever he, he, want do whatever he wants. Yeah. If you've got the kind of money for a four hundred fifty million dollar painting. But it might not be. It might not be legit. And apparently, so I go down a rabbit hole. Yes. Apparently, there is a massive market for illegitimate paintings, and people get robbed all the time. And there was, in fact, a guy who was uh, a master. There's, a th- I believe, there's a documentary mm-hmm. about him. Oh. Who? There's a big one on Netflix about this right now. I thought that's what you're getting. Oh, into. like the master the forgers. After this. Well, there was a guy who <laughs> was. That was his trade. What he would do was make fake Picassos. So he would make his own work, but in the style of Picasso, and they would claim that this was a lost Picasso. Wow. And he sold these things for millions and millions of dollars. This is the Netflix one. This lady got- Made you look. They they found she was selling fake shit for a long time. Oh, okay. I didn't- Pissed a lot of people off. (laughs) I've not seen that one. But there's a guy, um, he he did time, and he got released eventually. And he did time for creating fake masterpieces. And it's really crazy because the guy was insanely talented. Right. Like his art was magnificent. Right, but right, it, right. But it wasn't but Michelangelo. But he conned people. Yeah, he conned yeah. people. I mean, the art was great, but he yeah. conned people. But it was, it's, it's weird. It's like, it's so, my uncle said this to me once. This is really a funny thing. Because when I was a kid, I would pretend I brushed my teeth, right? But I, I really didn't brush my teeth. And my uncle, uh, my uncle Vinny, who's a really interesting guy, he's a very creative guy, he's an artist. And he said, it's funny because I used to do the same thing. But once, eventually I realized I put so much effort into pretending that I brushed my teeth that I could have just brushed my teeth with that same amount of effort and I wouldn't have to pretend. And I, I thought about it, I'm like, God damn, he's smart. Oh, I was man. five. <laughs> That's a really cool thing to say to a five-year-old. It's like yeah. a reverse. My uncle was, he, my uncle Vinny's cool as fuck. He's, he was always like the cool uncle like that, you know, everybody wished they had. Like he drove an MG and he was a, an oh, artist man. and, you know, photographer. Man, those types of people, I mean, they, they inspire me. You know, actually, this is funny. My, um kind of related but i was just thinking about inspirational artists i my friend victoria who had met a while ago like loosely she invited me to that nft gallery thing Mm -hmm. and she pulled me aside it was like late at night it was like on a friday last friday and she was like uh i missed i went to dinner and i missed the first night of the showing and i felt really bad and i was like can you do you have any videos can you send me you know i was trying to like make up for it or whatever and she's like no i don't have any of that shit and then radio silence i'm playing video games and then uh, she texts me. She's like, oh, coming over to Frankie's house. And I'm like, what? who's Frankie? And he's like, oh, he created I Love Comedy or I, I Heart Comedy. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll check it out. Quirky house. Didn't want to go at first. Then I went, show up. She's uh, she's a cybernetic artist. She's like a cyber artist. And she had, she sold an NFT for 85 grand, actually, uh, based off of her a show that she did in Paris. But she's uh, her left lower leg below the the knee is amputated and she has like these crazy prostheses um, that do all kinds of crazy things. One that's just a cone or whatever. And she always wears these insane, awesome outfits. And so she's at the party and it's all artists. Like one of the girls from Pussy Riot, it's uh, this amazing um, fashion designer that like dresses Victoria. And um, so she pulls me aside and she's like, listen, and she's from, she, she was born in Russia, grew up partially in Latvia. 
and then uh, London until about, I don't know, her mid-teens, and then started working with MIT at the MIT Experimental Lab. I forget uh, the name of the official name of it. And uh, so she's had this crazy journey, but she pulls me aside and she goes, listen, I know that you didn't want to come initially, but um, you come from, <laughs> I don't know how she, she just kind of distilled this. She goes, you come from the underground and it's really important for you to, uh, to be in contact with counterculture because that's where you come from. And even though you've uh, infiltrated into mainstream, you have a main, mainstream accent, I know it's very important for you to maintain your You roots. have a mainstream accent, she said? No, 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 she said, uh, or uh, I've accessed, oh, the, main, access, the mainstream access, or whatever. And I, and, I, and I was like, who is this person? This is insane because like, I've always kind of associated myself most with Anubis, you know, because like Anubis was like the the watcher, the protector of the underworld, right? Right. So Anubis had access to the world of the living and the world of the dead, or Charon, or Hades, or Arishkigal, whoever you want to call. It. But um, and her saying that just blew my mind because I'm like, yeah, I I love it. I love going into the darkest spaces. And then coming out and and finding the the amazing things that, that and hanging out that with James there. Corden and hanging out with James Corden and then hanging out with James <laughs> Corden talking to uh, asking a question of Pete Buttigieg, you know what I mean? Like yeah. like it's it's awesome that I can like modulate between these two different worlds, right? And and at this party, it was just filled with people who have like had these intense lives, you know, that like came from Russia or came from Bosnia or came from uh, Africa or whatever, and that had to overcome all these obstacles. Yes. But now they're doing well, and now this NFT thing happens, and now they're making money to fuel their more of their art. It's an interesting. It was an interesting. Art is time. so. It, it's so fascinating. This this thing that people do, where they create something, and then other people get feelings off staring or listening or mm -hmm. watching or whatever it is with their creation. Like mm -hmm. you're you're putting something. You're putting your. There's an essence of your interpretation of the world, and you're putting it into something. And yes. then somebody gets that thing and they go, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, that's fucking cool. Man, yeah. Which is why, like, modern art at, like, LACMA is so fucking offensive. When you go to, you see, like, a, a plexiglass box on the ground, yeah. like, that's the piece. And you're like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Hey, fuck you. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the thing, right? It's, like, it's so context-based, right? So if you would have seen that piece, maybe when it was introduced and you understood the context of it, it's, <laughs> it is supposed to say fuck you. But, no, it's not. It's, but, like, it's a fucking hack. Well, that's they, what they, I mean. They've that, hacked the system. That's what I mean. Sometimes artists do that on purpose because they're just saying fuck you. Because sort they're of. like, you just bought you just, you just just bought it, guys. As long as you're doing other art that's real. Of course. Like, I need I to agree. see that you, I, don't, I, need, I need to see that you didn't just find a loophole. No, I, you know I, what I mean, I completely agree. I can Well, check out, check out Victoria Modesta's uh, NFT that she sold. It'll blow you away. It, okay. That is like the for real deal. Like, she's an incredible artist. Did you find the guy? There is a guy that is famous. Like, see, like a re man arrested for fraudulent paintings. No, that's what you wouldn't say. Creating fraudulent masterpieces. Oh, there it's you a, go. Because it's a famous guy. Because his work- Original like, fake they masterpieces. Had, they had sold his stuff in auctions. And, and when you see his work, you're like, holy shit. Like, it's amazing. But, you know, he had said, like, this. these are lost Basquiat's. Or how do you say his name? Basquiat. Basquiat. Yeah. yeah. 
These are lost Warhols. I wonder, why are, didn't he just like say that like he's doing a conceptual series of like you know extended works of of masters? Because he's a crook. <laughs> I mean, but it would have been so much more fun than not. Do, I mean, like, I this, mean, uh, why do the crook angle? It's like you still could have made a shit ton of money. Well, that's not as much. But. I agree for sure, but I like the fact that there's a guy like that out there. There's something about it that's so strange because he's. He's clearly a brilliant artist when you look at the guy's actual work, but he's also clearly a scumbag. So it's, I just, there's something about folly, about human yeah. folly, like, like that kind of, sure. I, I like it. I like that they're, I like it's a, hu that people do things like that. That like, Agreed. oh, oh, you're really into spending $25 million on a painting? Guess what I have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let uh, me help you out. Yeah, let me Let me, let let me alleviate you, you of your- <laughs> There are some of these people that just accumulate massive amounts of money and then they get really into having these prestigious works of art yes whether or not they actually understand i'm like is this the guy inside the 80 million dollar scandal that rocked the art world and no i think that's the same one that you were isn't it maybe the that's the documentary about it is it that's oh, a different dude is that it yeah that is him i'm just that a guy him. yeah um yep yeah Oh wow! Well, anyway, I mean that's insane. Well, yeah, you know they do that with wine too. There's do an, they? There's an incredible documentary called Sour Grapes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. Wow. And there's more than one of these guys, by the way. There's more than one of these guys that creates fake art, because like if you're like a fucking if you're newly rich. Yeah, you know, like you're some right. dude who runs a tech company, and all of a sudden, like you know, you go to an IPO and you sell, and you're worth a billion dollars now. And you're like, what? Yes. And then you're like, I want a fucking cool painting. Yeah. And like, you don't huh? know jack shit about art, and next thing you know, you get connected to some other shady guy that you buy ecstasy from, and he knows a guy who has a Pollock for sale. And oh my god. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, do you the spirit molecule guys? Right. You know those dudes, right? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I just met with them just before. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. And the other guy, who's the other guy? Oh. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. So they want me to, to narrate the ne the next one. Oh, nice. So well, I thought that was so bizarre that I'm yeah. meeting them before you and I, cause I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put together that you were the original guy. So yeah. I was like, how weird is that? I was the Rod Sterling of yeah, the you were DMT the Rod movie. Yes, yes. I can't wait to see it. I'm, I'm so excited to see it. But uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, we were talking. they were talking about DMT, but uh, I was talking about ketamine. I've been doing ketamine and experimenting with uh -oh. ketamine uh, lately, which has been so insane. I mean, yeah? such an insane. I don't know if, if you've ever experienced no, it. No, I have not. It's... Um, it's a dissociative. So, I mean, when we were teenagers growing up in Montana, we didn't have access to any drugs, basically. So we were doing Robitussin, which had dextromethorphan in it, which is also a dissociative. And it's and it can be very, very, very powerful. Mm. Um, I'm not condoning uh, doing that. But as, but as kids in the 80s, like that's, you know, we were listening to Bauhaus and doing Robitussin. And um, but uh, yeah, so. Ketamine is interesting because a lot of friends are like they're doing ketamine therapy. They're doing blah blah blah. But ketamine, I don't know. It was just crazy. We were talking about ketamine and DMT, and there's like a crossover point. You know who's really yeah, into crazy. ketamine? John Lilly. Who's John guy, Lilly? John Lilly is the guy who created the isolation tank. He's also a pioneer oh. in interspecies communication. He was oh, working guy. on communicating with dolphins. Dolphins in Hawaii. Yeah, and That's right. the experiment was 
defunded because the woman who was running the experiment was jerking off the dolphin. Oh my God. That's, you know that story? That, I don't remember that conclusion. <laughs> this is what happened. The dolphins would get <laughs> horny and they were distracted all the time. They wouldn't concentrate. So they, they would, they just want to, yeah, they just right. wanted to fuck. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so she would masturbate the dolphins so that the dolphins would relax and then they could get some work done and then they would try to communicate with the dolphins. Yes. The do she was trying to get the dolphins to speak, but the right. problem it was is legitimate. Yes. Yeah. She's a, well, listen. So is coming. Yeah. You know, yeah of it's, course. It's a part of it's biology. Natural. It's natural. Yeah, 100%. It's like we're just so fucked up and puritanical and filled yes. with shame yes. that we think there's something wrong with masturbating a dolphin in order to get it to comply. But meanwhile, you know what's really wrong? How about slavery of dolphins? Yes. You know, you're forcing this fucking this intelligent animal that may or may not be as smart as people yes. into some weird subservient existence where you've got it in a pond. Yes. It's crazy. Oh, I, I yeah, 100%. That's, that is way crazier than jerking off the dolphin. Oh, yeah, The yeah, fact yeah. that that is where we get outraged. We get outraged that she's touching the dolphin's penis. Not that she's made it a slave. Yes, I know. In order to try to get it to talk. <laughs> it's so crazy to me. I know, I know. And I'm sure it was the optics of it. Like, once that got out there, like, well, we can't. We, exactly. We well, can't then, be blah, 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 blah. I'm pretty sure this was all in the 60s. Right, which is even, yeah, right. So Lily developed the sensory deprivation tank. So what, he was trying to figure out a way to separate the human body and all of the sensory input from consciousness. So he's Altered states. Yes, that is exactly what Altered States is based on. Yes. It's based on Lily. <laughs> yep. Because Lily was doing stuff that was so crazy, and he was taking all these insane psychedelic drugs. They were like... They, they literally used him as the inspiration for Altered States. That's why if you go to watch Altered States... And uh, what's his name? William Hurt? I think that's yeah. him, yeah. Well, well, when William Hurt in the beginning is in the early developmental stages of Lily's tank, which was essentially regular water, and he had a scuba helmet on. Oh, that's right. And then the water is heated to the same temperature as the skin, mm -hmm. and there's all these tubes that provide him oxygen. He's standing upright. Eventually... They turn it into this thing where he's lying in it, which is like a regular sensory deprivation tank. But all of that is created by Lily. Lily wrote a bunch of books on it, like The Center of the Cyclone, The Deep Self. Um, and he even, one of his books, I forget which one, you can actually buy. And there's um, design instructions for building your own sensory deprivation yeah. tank with like pond liners and waterbed heaters yeah. and yeah. the whole deal. But Lily used to take intramuscular ketamine. Yes. So he would just blast himself with ketamine and lie down there and fucking... Oh, my God. And that was his thing. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I took an accident, not accidental, but like a, like a, a very large dose, um, which, I don't know, put me in full ego death. And uh, all I can say is that it put me into what I like to call the paradoxical state, which is you there's nothing to compare yourself to anything anymore so there is no you and so you're just experiencing not experiencing simultaneously whatever and it's very fractal everything is fractal it's like anything that you try to cling on to mentally you think you know what it is and then it just is not that anymore so your mind has to just surrender completely constantly to this, to this constant fractal onslaught mm. and uh and what was interesting about that is that it felt like like to me in my mind it's like oh this is the this is the source of reality this is like if you're getting close to the source of how reality is generated mm -hmm. and perceived essentially that's as close as you can get 
to being aware of reality itself in, in, in essence. And that feeling, I mean, I didn't know where it was, you know, it's, it's like you, you're, you're nowhere. And, and to take that and then put that in a sensory deprivation tank, I mean, that's insane. I mean, that's like, uh, I don't know what that would do because I already felt like I was just gone anyways. Yeah. I didn't, I had no, I didn't know what position my body was. I know what a body was. I wasn't in my room. My eyes were open and I could see nothing that was familiar at all. And I didn't know what familiar was, but to mix those things, I don't know. It's a very, it's a very interesting, um, feeling because it's also very weirdly pragmatic on, on lower doses. It's pragmatic. Like, let's say you have a lot of trauma. Going on. That's why they're using it for therapy. You can actually sign up and do legal therapy with intramuscular um, injections of ketamine. Whitney's uh, with doing. Therapy. Whitney Cummings doing it with a mister, a nasal mister. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, a mister, mister. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, it's very interesting. A lot of my friends. I don't know. I've had like some crazy breakthroughs on it yeah. because you're, because it's like. You know, I have hangups. We all have hangups, right? It's like all this programming. I grew up Catholic, so I've got like a lot of, you know, kind of uh, things that I'm like, oh, and if I reveal that, you know, everyone's going to know that I'm a blah, 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 or whatever. And when you're on ketamine, it's like that thing comes up, especially when you're more conscious, like functional level uh, at ketamine. It comes up and you're like, oh, it's just this. And then you tell your friend and they're like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool. And then you're moving on. It's like the most pragmatic you to get past things. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's imp- it's empathic. So if you're doing it with someone, you feel like you're sharing an experience together. But then it's also kind of kind of slightly like like you're aliens piloting your, your this this body is just like it's just a robot to get you through this world. Oh, wow. And you're just like piloting it. You know, when you get up to get something, it's like I'm going to get water now. Excellent idea. Would you like some? I would like some. Here's water. Thank you very much. <laughs> Consciousness is crazy. You know, it's the weirdest high. And then like, are you scared of your relationship right now? Yes, I am scared that they don't understand me. Well, that's too bad. You know what? I don't, I can't control that. You know, like these revelations happen. I'm not saying it's a fix all everything. Do you remember the revelations? Yeah, very much. So it's different than DMT. Yeah, that the the memories are more easily accessible. They they are. I mean, not everything, but definitely there's there's things that I remember about it, and um and it definitely I think helps to cause. I don't know if it's you know I'm not a scientist, but it's not like neural pathways, but it definitely alters the way you approach and think about the things that you're having issues with. Neil Brennan was the first person that told me he did it therapeutically. He went to a doctor and he was getting IV ketamine. And he was tripping balls. And like I remember him telling me in the hallway of the comedy store, and you know, you know, Neil. Yes. Neil's an intense guy. Yes. He's like, and uh, I'm sitting there doing this and I'm like, Hey, I'm really fucking high. Like this is crazy. Like this yeah. is like a full on psychedelic trip in the doctor's office. Oh my gosh. Which is extra trippy. Extra trippy. It's extra trippy because you're like, this is a doctor's office. And then you all of a sudden you're like, whoa. You're in interdimensional traveling. Yes. Yeah. Ugh, that's, yeah. DMT, I've been too chicken to do the second hit, so. Really? Yeah, twice I tried it and I, I, because you know, you go zero to peaking on acid in three seconds. The first hit. Right. And then you're supposed to take another hit. You're supposed to go three. Yeah, supposed to go three. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But uh, but my well, friend. Was I like, always found it's easy after the first I, hit. You know, it's also the smoke. It's so accurate. It's gross. It's the grossest shit. It's so like I was plastic, like, right? I'm I'm breathing in plastic, and then like now I'm really high. Now I'm supposed to breathe in more plastic. I just I don't yeah. know. I couldn't do it. But the ketamine, for whatever reason, the dose that I took, it took me to that. Cr- it wasn't planning on it necessarily. I knew it was going to be. I was going to get high, but I didn't know I was going to go that high. 
That and was it different. was intramuscular as well? No, that I had to snort it, unfortunately. <laughs> That's I don't junky, like snorting. I don't like snorting. It's a junky feeling. I don't snort anything. That I've was, never snorted a drug. Yeah, it's the only I time. I don't think so. Let me think. It's, there's that Ibogaine. No, I've never snorted no, a drug. Uh, What's the, the, the one that they, 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 yeah, they blow it yeah. into your nostrils yeah, like a single it, Yeah, it's a snuff, right? They yeah. blow it up your nose. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't know. It just seems like dirty. I would rather just, I think what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to see if I can get involved in some kind of a, a study or whatever. I think I'm on my last leg of it. It was just like a nice like little experimental period over like a couple months. Mm -hmm. But um, but I think I learned a lot and it reminded me a lot of Robitussin, which when we were on, you know, I remember peeking on Robitussin and then my friend going, I have a little bit of weed. You have some weed? Let's try some. And then we smoked some weed and we just fucking left. I know that it's not supposed to be addictive and it's not supposed to be dangerous, but I've heard of people getting addicted to it and wind up going into rehab. And I'm pretty sure I knew yes. a guy who died from it. There was oh. a fighter who was really into ketamine, and I remember because a friend of mine went to visit him in rehab, yeah. and he actually wound up dying. I, I, well, it does elevate your heart rate. Oh. So, so if you have some kind of a heart condition or something like that, and you take a lot of it, and you're not giving yourself a break or whatever, um, yeah. So if you just keep hammering it all if you the keep, time. If you keep hammering it, you're just going to be spiking your heart rate all the time uh, so I know that I mean there'll be doctors out there that'll be like well actually but I you know <laughs> I just know that and then also liver toxicity as well oh and okay. this is like chronic use right but right. it doesn't have it's not it's definitely not the type of high where you're like I can't wait to do that again like after definitely there's like if you take a small amount of it and you're like oh I'm feeling pretty good do you want to take a little bit more or like I'm in Berlin, you know, that was like right. one of the first times I did it. It's like you're in Berlin in a club and you go to a dirty stall bathroom with five people and someone pulls out a, a key and I'm like, well, I guess this is how you do drugs, you know, whatever. Right. Um, when in Rome, but like they just do tiny bumps of it and they re-up like every 30 minutes or something like that. And oh, okay. I did that a few times. I'm like, I kind of get it, but to me it's a waste of the opportunity to go deep yeah to go because for me it's like if i'm doing anything even if i'm doing an edible or if i'm smoking weed or whatever it is uh those are the only things i do <laughs> it's like i do weed and recently occasionally ketamine but mostly just weed i don't drink or anything so if i'm going to do something i'm looking at it as an experiment this is an opportunity to learn something about myself yeah. and to see what I can notice and what I can bring back from it. That's the thing is you really can learn something and it's it sounds so trite, right? It sounds so cliche. Like, yeah, I'm doing psychedelic drugs to learn about myself, man. Yes. You know, doesn't yes. it? It sounds fake. So it sounds kind of fake, doesn't it? It yeah. does, but you can. You really can, but you can't always. No. And you got to really go into it with the intention of actually trying to learn something and then be open-minded about it. And try to yeah. try to bring something back. Well, it's vulnerability, you know. Yeah. What I mean, I think that's the biggest thing for me that I notice. Uh, you know, it's just you open up, and suddenly you're hanging with your friend, and you're seeing them in a way that you've never seen them before, mm -hmm. and this release of like compassionate understanding, and uh, and you're. I mean, for me, my favorite part is when it's silly. To me, silliness is like the greatest, most enlightened, enlightened state that you can right. be in. Right, yeah. Where it's just like, it's like, oh, because, you know, like, or like we're in high in acid and see like a bush and it looks like a Muppet, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and you're just like, look, it's a Muppet. And they're like, oh my God, it is a Muppet. Is it a Muppet? What is it? I don't know. Let's check it out. You know, like adventure, goofy silliness. Like yeah. that to me is like such a load off because you're like with all these other people, you're being, because silliness, being silly in front of people 
and with people is very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. People don't necessarily think of it that way, but it is being very vulnerable. Oh, yeah, for sure. And vulnerability is, yeah, that's why I like doing comedy. It's like, oh, com- yeah. comedy is like, here you are on stage. It's the only, one of the only art forms where you go up on stage and, it's, and if it's just you, stand up, you're on stage. That's all it is. It's just a human saying some words that are setting up expectations and subverting the expectation and causing a momentary, zoomed out, joyous, paradoxical laughing state. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. And I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. And it actually changes the state of mind of the people that are viewing it. It's an art form that changes your state. Yes, 100%. And it elicits a response. It's one of the only art forms where it requires a response. That's true. Yeah, it it actually does. Yeah, otherwise it's not going well. Right. Or it is going well until it's not going, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because music is different. Like, someone's playing a beat, people are like, yeah. You know, but a comedian gets up on stage and says, so I was uh, out the other day and I was talking to, you know, yeah. so-and-so and no laughter. And they're like, ah, oh, fuck. And it's the marked contrast when you try something that's not funny. Like every now and then you have a thought and you're like, let me just yeah. see if this one totally. comes out good. Yeah. And it comes out of your mouth and it's like, uh, that, that, uh, blah. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's nothing there. And you're like, all right. It just wasn't there. Yeah. I thought there was something there. I swung. I know. But it's great, too, when the comedian comments on it, right? Yes. It's like, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I, I do a lot of weirdo comedy shows, you know, like all comedy shows or whatever, like Natasha Leggero and those kinds of people. And it's just, I love it when they're like, go in and they're like, no, not so much. Okay, cool. Moving on. You know, yeah. like, and you're like, okay, we're all in it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, the recognition that what you're doing is, it's, it's, you can't really grasp it. Sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not, particularly when you're doing something that's improvisational. Yes. And you're taking, you're taking a leap. You're always taking a leap. And for me as an improviser, like, you know, I, I just, I love that, like, once you find a vein, essentially, you find a vein and you can feel people leaning in and you're like, oh, this is going to be so stupid. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, this is going to be so stupid. Oh, this is going to be completely unnecessary. I don't need to do that. I'm going to spend way too long doing this. Now I'm going to go over here. Now I'm going to do that. It's like if it's bubbling, it's just jazz. You know, it's, it's, it's the it's, best. It's wild that art comes in different feels. Like there's different feels to art. Like we were talking about wine earlier. Like the creation of wine is an art. It's a weird – Art that takes a long time because you have to grow the grapes. Like if you talk to, do you know Maynard from Tool? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know him, but I know the, the group. He's yes. a great guy. I yeah. love him. Okay. He's a really good dude, but he has a vineyard, you know? Oh, I didn't Caduceus know Caduceus Vineyard. It's, he makes great wine. Oh, wow. Like really good wine. And he's 100% dedicated to it. Sick. Shout out to Maynard. Um, so he, uh, he describes in depth the process of creating this wine and how the soil has to be right and has to be watered a certain amount and there's a certain amount of, you know, like the atmosphere has to be, he does, he does it all in Arizona. That's where he grows his grapes. Yeah. But he does the whole process, like to smashing the grapes and putting it in the barrels and fermenting it and adding all the stuff to it and the whole deal. Like, wow. it's amazing. It's amazing, but it's an art form. And obviously, He's from Tool and Pussifer and, you know, and A Perfect Circle. He mean, he's a musician as well. So he does other art that's more instantaneous and, like, instantaneously, yes. you know, right. it, it gets into your body. But he's also doing this, like, long burn. Yes. This slow burn art, which is wine. Yes. Like, and we are talking earlier about frauds. There's this this documentary called um, Sour Grapes, yeah. where this guy got in tight 
with all these wine people. And at first he starts buying like really great wine at auctions and then selling it to other people. He was in possession of some like really rare great wines. And then somewhere along the line he becomes a fraud and he starts making fake wine. So he starts taking wines and mixing oh, them and creating shit. these fake labels and no. then selling wine as like, you know, a 1924 this or he's gonna have, he even has wine from like Thomas Jefferson. It's not really Thomas Jefferson's wine, like in these ancient bottles. And he did all of this in his house. And like they, they busted him and the guy had like labels and all these bottles of wine and formulas written down of add a one third this and two thirds that and he would add certain things to the wine to get the wine to taste similar to this because he had sucks. a you know how you say you have a really great ear? Yeah. This guy Rudy in this documentary had apparently an amazing wine palette. So he would be able to taste these notes in wine that a moron like me would not get. Like yes, I actually I went to a it. wine tasting with this guy. With what? this guy, yes. With this guy who's in jail currently and he's gonna get deported. I think to I think he's from Indonesia. Oh. Um he's getting deported. I think but he's in some fucking jail in Colorado right now. I went to a wine tasting with him because my friend is a very big wine connoisseur and he was in with this guy before the guy started selling the fake wine. So they were a part of this wine lovers club sort of thing and they would get together and it was my friend's birthday so I go there. And I remember the guy from that. So I saw the documentary and I'm like, fuck, I think I know that guy. So I, I you know, asked my friend, I'm like, did I meet this guy? He goes, yeah, he was at my party. I'm like, fuck, that's crazy. <sighs> so this guy made millions and millions and millions of dollars selling people fake wine. And at the end of the documentary, they're destroying crates and cases of this fake wine. But it's real wine. Right, it would of course. Like if I had it, I'd be like, this is the best wine I've ever had. Because I don't know anything about wine. I just know what kind of tastes good. But to wow. him, he had the ability to trick these folks. But what's interesting in the documentary huh. is like some people weren't tricked. Like, oh. like he sold some real wine, apparently, yeah. but some of it was fake. And then and there's one scene in the movie, spoiler alert, where this oh, guy damn. who was friends with him was like, this is one of the real bottles that Rudy sold me. And these guys are tasting it, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is great, this is great. And then one guy gets a hold of it, and he goes like, when was this bottle opened? And they're like, two hours ago. He's like, tasted it. He goes, this is fake. This is bullshit. And he starts saying that this does not have nearly the vivacity of this other wine. And it's like, oh, so sick. It's, but it's like, ah, oh, like, what, it, what are you tasting? Like, what are you experiencing? How subtle is the difference between real and fake that these guys who have fucking wine cellars in their homes where they have thousands of dollars in wines and they're, they're so invested in this hobby they have, they can't tell. But you can tell? Yeah. I what mean, are we talking about here? I, what is going on? I, that, that shit, I mean, you know, again, it goes down to that like fake music. It's like if you played like a real, someone playing a piece on real piano, someone playing But a it's piece not on. because you're robbing someone. Well. You're, you're robbing them. Yeah, well, but the mechanism of identification is like, you the know. The way the guy got busted is one of the Koch brothers bought $4 million worth of wine from him. And it was fake. So he had $4 million worth of fake wine. And some of it was like Thomas Jefferson bottles. Shit was like $100,000 a bottle. Like crazy stuff. And so this guy has this like immense wine cellar. He's a wine collector. And he got duped. The, the documentary is incredible because wow. this guy comes from France 
to 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 the auction to show them that even on their pamphlet, like the the catalog, like these wines were never created. Like we never made, yeah, they, they, we never made um, a, what a magnum in this in this year with this with this vineyard. This is fake. Right. Like you're selling a fake bottle of wine here. Like this is fake. This the wow. year is wrong. The where where it's sold is wrong. The spelling is incorrect. Like wow. But they had like ancient labels. They made the labels dirty and they made them look old. It's fucking wild. Just theater. But it's also it's wild how these people were so into this thing that was almost intangible. Like this the, mm-hmm. the palette mm-hmm. and and so many of them were sucked into it it makes sense i mean yeah i mean take adva- i mean take advantage of people's passion i yeah. mean like how many times does that happen you know you could get sold all kinds of things. Hey, here's an original vintage, whatever engine or here's a right. uh, whatever and then people are like yeah yeah they want it so bad and they ha- they're passionate about it cuz they're nerds about it yep. and but they're not nerds in that like hyper expert expert right. way right and then they just they're they, you know and i guess probably some people are sitting some on some fake shit but they're completely happy so ultimately if they don't know it's fake they might still be yeah. really happy i guess but to, to take advantage of people that way obviously is like it's fucking, terrible fucking low but it's 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 make a show about it yeah the documentary is amazing you should see it it's really good because it's just it details how these people got duped and how this world is so odd the world of the wine collector it's a it's a strange world man well it's it's tough i mean and also like i mean you can take that to other ki- types of food and things like that where mm-hmm. people are like well this is a ancient blah blah remember uh what was that movie uh the freshman remember remember that uh with uh dustin hoffman Ma- Ma- matthew broderick oh, oh, and oh. um uh and uh who was in apocalypse now the crazy guy that guy goes Guy goes crazy, shaved his head. Martin Sheen? Oh, no. Marlon Brando? Yeah, Marlon Brando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Apocalypse Now, sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and so he, they're both in it, and he plays like a godfather type. And then they they have this business where they're taking exotic animals, and they're making culinary like events, like underground secret, oh. made from like the rarest animals, endangered species or whatever. And everybody's super appalled, but then you find out that they're just faking it. Mm. Like with like chicken and and right. beef, but like preparing it differently. Saying or it's gorilla. Yeah, 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 like yeah. That. Which is kind of like a a reversal. Yeah, kinda, you know what I mean. Like yeah. in a way, it's kind of Robin Hoodie because it's like, well, right. they're enriching themselves still, but at least they're not actually doing the thing. You're not really saying. supposed to eat gorilla. Yeah, but yeah. then, but then, but then you have people believing that they are eating. Like they're stoked to eat endangered animals. I think that <laughs> does go on though. There really are of course these it clubs. Does. I'm trying to remember this. There's an article. Was it in Vanity Fair? I I forget where the article was, but there was an article about this club that meets and they'll eat exotic, endangered animals. God damn it. I hate that shit. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that is one of the reasons why rhino horn is so valuable. Rhino horn is valuable and it's particularly valuable in some circles of elite people in Asia. Right. Because they know that rhinos are endangered. And, you know, although it supposedly has, like, it gives you hard-ons or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, it's good, yeah, It doesn't it's really. Aphrodisiac yeah, but it doesn't really. No. But what it does do is show everybody that you have the means to acquire something that is incredibly totally. illegal and very difficult to get. So they murder rhinos just for their horn. And the horn is 
virtually useless. It's a fingernail. It's yeah. like keratin. Yeah. It's like hair. Yeah. And that's what it is. And it's molded into this thing. They'll take it and make a tea out of this. And they'll all sit around and drink it. Like, look at us drinking rhino horn. Like, they, they're just symbolizing their ruthless capitalist instincts that they can acquire this. Jesus Christ. Fucking rhino. And, and that's Ugh. the same thing with, like, tiger dicks and shit. They'll eat tiger dicks. and It's so stupid. It's just like, just knock it off, guys. Like, this, like, unnecessary. But just all evil. You know what I mean? How many rhinos are left? Man, you know, that reminds me of, like, it was like one thing I, w- I wanted to mention. I know we've been talking for a while, but like, uh, uh, you know, the whole like, and I, I'm not necessarily saying this because it's 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 politics. It's not about politics. It's just about something to think about. But uh, it reminds me of like that mindset of like, if someone, if a politician is is essentially just spewing a bunch of fireworks and like, and they begin any sentence with. Well, Democrats, well, Republicans, like that's how they're starting anything. Right. It's like completely worthless. It's like, are you solving? Are you solving a problem? Right. Are you attempting to work with as many people that are right to solve the problem as possible in order to solve problems for as many people as possible? That's the that's the only criteria for the job. Anything outside of that is completely unnecessary. So, like, I'm gonna always try to choose people that are into solving problems, not worrying about getting reelected necessarily. I know that's right. a part of it, but I know what you're saying. But you know what I'm saying? Like I want someone who wants to solve the problem. And sure. I want someone who like gets it's like, what's your idea? Okay, cool. Let's let's aggregate that and let's let's solve this problem. And I know that politics is a whatever in our form, but I'm just not into it and I'm so fucking tired of it. Every time I listen read an article, there's a video about whatever this that uh, someone complaining about this well the republicans are trying yeah. to you know the and, left and the, and the, and the left thinking. and the right well they think that they well they yeah. think they can solve it's like why don't yeah. you stop shut the fuck up and stop <laughs> complaining about shit and why don't you like solve some shit yeah how about that yeah reggie watts for president reggie reggie 2024 let's go fuck your party the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, that's what it's going to say under in quotes. Fuck your party. Yeah, fuck your party. Yeah, just, just yeah. you like this. Solutions only. <laughs> Solutions only. No fireworks. Uh, by the way, who did that Joe Rogan experience uh, vocal? Um, I think it's a, a digital video, a digital audio thing. It it's like the Joe Rogan Red Band experience. Made it a long ago, yeah. Red Band made it a long time ago, and I think it's like one of those things where you can get like your apple oh, to s- oh, speak yeah. in a language. It's just like a text-to-speech yeah. synthesizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's so great. It sounds simple. really, It sounds convincing. Well, it's like the lady who gives you, what what when you use navigation, what voice do you use? Oh, uh, sometimes I switch it to Australian. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have now South African, Australian, mm. uh, English. I think they have New Zealand, a New Zealand accent, too. But there's so many of them. I don't know. I end up just like, and then I change it to male, you know, to like, what's that like, you know, or whatever. It's my wife uh, had my kids do all the voices for Waze, oh. so she has mm. uh, when she uses Waze, it's one of my daughters going turn left. Are you serious? Yeah, you can do that. Dope. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really dope. I've always wanted to do a voice pack for. It's like, really cool. So like when we're driving, navigation. if we're using her phone and Waze, it'll it'll use my kids' voices oh my to tell us where we're going. Hey, Dad, turn left. Warning, police ahead. Ooh. Uh, oh my god, you know? that's so it's pretty cool. Ah, uh, that's exciting. Yeah. I've always wanted to do that because obviously you heard about like you know whatever Darth Vader. Yeah, you know, blah, but blah, you blah, can blah, get blah. like one of your friends to do it. 
I love it. If you have like a good friend that would be into doing that for you, and maybe you could do it for them. I, I would totally do. I would offer doing that for yeah, people. Yeah, that'd sure. be a cool thing. Like if you're <sighs> if you're driving and your best friend is going, hey man, turn right. And you're like, All right. like it'll make you kind of feel good. Oh my gosh, I would I would so do that. Well, you know, back in the day, like you could do that for your phone. You know, like smartphones before Apple phone, like like Nokia's or whatever. Uh-huh. Like you could replace everything. All the chimes, the notifications, right. the alarms. You could just choose whatever you wanted it to be. Yeah, with a wave file or something. Yeah, with right? a wave file. And you could it's either you recording or you just like sample something, put yeah. it on like, like I kinda want that to come back. But it's cause it's more exciting to have a personalized device. Yeah. As opposed to you know. Yeah. But it's like the they that's a, the the argument of Android versus Apple, right? That like Android will allow you to change and alter so much more. Yeah. You could fidget with things and tweak, whereas Apple comes, it's just kind of like more user-friendly right out of the box and smoother, but not much anymore. Well- It's pretty close. Yeah, it's close. It's like Porsche versus Ford. That's how I look at it. Really? Like, so Android's Ford. So Android's Ford. So yeah. at Ford, there's like tons of aftermarket parts, right, that you can mm-hmm. do it. And arguably, there there is that for Porsche, too, Porsche, but but- but Porsche, like when you buy a 911, you're like, this is the 911 that you bought. That's what it was engineered and designed for. And you kind of just stick with it. Right. Because that's that's how it's made. So they're like, no, we, we made it and it's done. You know, yeah. whereas like a Ford, if you got like a Ford Camaro or something like that, you're like, I'm going to mod it out. Ford I'm gonna doesn't make Camaros. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. Uh, Ford uh, Mustang. Uh, Mustang. No, but what's the other? What's the other one? The Ford. Uh, 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 GT. I'm just in so much trouble with car guys right now. What does um, Ford doesn't make a Ford? No, but like a, what's like a super modded Ford? Like a like a I don't know. Like a. What am I think? They have like a, another muscle car b- besides the Mustang. Nope. They don't. You should nope. have went with Chevy or something. Yeah, hey, really. That's yeah. the only. Even that's Jamie the, knows. Jamie drives a goddamn the, electric car, and he knows. But that's that's seriously. That's it. Mustang. So sorry, Ford guys. Makes I, the Mustang. Yeah. I mean, Bronco. They make a Bronco. Yeah. Bronco. They make a GT, the Ford GT. But yeah. the, the reality is, like, is when it comes to muscle cars, they have, they have a bunch of different versions of the Mustang. Yeah. When it comes to muscle cars, Chevy has far more variety. Okay. Chevy so I'm the, thinking Chevy. The, I guess. Yeah. Chevy has a Camaro okay. and the Nova and the Corvette. Right. 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 You know, Chevy Unless you're had, talking about early Fords, like Ford, like Fairlands and things like sure. that. Sure. Yeah, but but that's well, they're, muscle they're, cars. Yeah, they're not. Really. Um. Anyways, but the pro- but my thing is like, and pick any Japanese car brand. The same thing. There's like yeah. people modding the fuck out of them, and there's like a huge market for it. Whereas like higher end cars, you can find tuners, right? But they're usually called tuners. You can mod things. Obviously, you can put a different exhaust system on it, or whatever. But generally, when you get it, you're like, now this drives just fine. I'm okay. Like I'm not gonna right. mod my GT3 if I get a new GT3. Right. I'm not really gonna mod it. I mean, unless I'm part of a racing crew and we wanted to make an adjustment to to the tires or right. or adjust the suspension in some way. Yeah. Or something. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I just kind of look at it as that way. I'm like oversimplifying, and everyone's gonna. But in terms hate of the user interface, like the new Android user interface, like as you get to like Android 11 and like the new, I like have a one of those uh, Galaxy S21 Ultra. I have that one too. It's yeah. A fucking great phone. Oh, that's a beautiful man. phone. And the other thing that they do better is they have different photography modes that make it that you could really get into it and oh, you have yeah. a lot of more a lot more options like one of them is the ability to take a photograph of the moon there's a moon shot and because if you try oh, to take a photo of the moon yes. with the iphone you don't get shit you get a weird light yeah you're right you it's just a, a blob a blob yeah but with s21 ultra the new one yeah. when you take a photo of the moon it'll there's an actual setting 
that will adjust the aperture to make use of the amount of light that's coming off of the moon so you get a clear image. Of the, see if you can get a, a photo of that S21 Ultra ga uh, Galaxy S21 Ultra moonshot. That's so they, you could actually uh, take a picture. I've taken a picture of the fucking moon before. And it looks good. It looks great. It's yeah, it's always so it's always so hard. I will say like the uh the new cameras on the the iPhones are great for incredible. Low, low light. Oh yeah, incredible. But, yeah, I mean, and I have both. I always have one Android device Me too. and one Apple. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. There yeah you we go. talked yeah. about this. Before. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, when your car, you had Google connected to your car for navigation, yes. and then you were holding. I was like, I like that. Oh yeah, fuck oh, around with I mean, both operating systems. Why, why not? You know, I do yeah. it. I do it for all situations. I have way too much technology. But I don't problem. trust. Not like I feel like the uh, iPhone is more secure. Oh, no, I think the iPhone is way more secure. A hundred percent of that, you know, secure enclave and all that, all that yeah. stuff. They take privacy pretty seriously. I mean, they're not unhackable, unhackable, but they're pretty. Yeah, all damn of it's close. hackable. I mean, especially that that was uh, a part of um, that documentary, um, the oh, Dissident. Yes, where they use that Pegasus oh, software from right. Israel. And they used that to get into Jeff Bezos's phone. That's how they found all those embarrassing texts between him and his girlfriend. Oh shit! Cost him his divorce. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, transparency to a certain degree. If you live a transparent life, it it helps. You know, I'm willing to. I'm willing yeah, to admit so that, my mistakes. Look at that. Oh, that's gorgeous. Isn't that incredible? That's a photograph of the moon from a Galaxy S21 Ultra. It's fucking incredible. That I, you know, I haven't tried it for that yet. I incredible photography. I really like the. Everything about the camera. I mean, the, the, the camera on the iPhone's amazing, too. but Different strengths. Yeah. They're both amazing. It's just incredible what you can do today with a phone. I mean. Yeah. Well, you know, I was using that LiDAR, you know, the LiDAR that's built into the iPhone and um, talking to these Fifth Planet guys about volumetric. And I was like, yeah, at some point, you're just going to be able to string a bunch of these together and do your own personal volumetric captures. Oh, yeah. You know, e easily. Sure. Because the LiDAR is there. Yeah. Or a bunch of iPads, whatever has yeah. the LiDAR camera. And actually, the front-facing camera also can do depth. Well, when uh, people well. started filming movies with iPhones, and now there's yeah. is there's Im image stabilization in video in iPhones? I know there is in the Galaxy. I right? believe so. There's some form of it. There's optical yeah. and um, and digital. Yeah. So you've got image stabilization. You mm -hmm. know, you you put it on like some sort of a handheld, and you can do some sort of a weird movie, and pretty fucking good. I mean, you yeah. could really make a pretty beautiful movie off the weird little tiny lenses that are in the back of a phone that slips into your back pocket with ease. I know. I know. It's so cool. I mean, I, I think about it all the time. I mean, you can make a video anytime you want. Like anytime, anytime you, want. you can make a movie anytime you want. It's incredible. You need to. I love it. I'm, yeah, I, I'm looking forward. I think the future is uh, hopefully going to work in our favor. And I think it's going to be magnificent I think in that so. regard. Yeah. It's just what I'm worried about is these fake people that maybe or maybe don't want you to spank them. That we we're talking about artificial oh. lovers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They that they're going to be sex different. Bots? Yeah, well, they're just, just human, even friends, artificial friends. Yeah, that's they're true. They're going to be AI simulations. The way we're talking about, like a keyboard, a th synthesizer simulates musical instruments. That someone will really take uh, uh, an actual account, like a a real audit of all the things that people say. Yeah. Like over the course of a life, and that's not difficult for a computer to do and then simulate a friend and create a friend i mean i'm partially excited about that but i <laughs> i know what you're saying but for me it's like i'm like can they do it is they it convincing it. like yeah. it, like will will it learn like and and then what is you know what is, what a, is a friend what is what is a real person i yeah. mean it's going to happen and then they're going to cry 
They're going to get sad if you're mean to them. Oh, my and God. That's going to get weird. And then you're going to get tethered to them. I mean, if it's mm. using it if it's using it to get you addicted to something, obviously not good. You're going to have to bring it to a center to break up with it. Oh, my God. You're going to have to bring it to an uh, We're going to go to the electronic center, and then uh, just, just needs a little adjustment here. <laughs> and they go, boom. Like, oh. she's so annoying. Please. I, I, I have to break up with her. Get her just, out of my can life. You, can you give her uh, an ability to adjust to a breakup? Yeah, yeah, right. So totally. you have to download like a new thing. And it costs to, a lot of money. You think so? To no, I'm up? just saying like to Probably, break up. Right? I mean, a la carte, you know, like, it's yes. like I really want to break up and like, oh, it's going to cost you a, a lot of money. Yeah, well, it's not just break up. You have to introduce her to other people because yeah, you have totally. to make sure that she can somehow or another transition. She's designed to please you and to be your friend. And yeah. now that you don't want to be her friend anymore, this could be incredibly devastating to her self-confidence programming. So and she has rights. To, Remap that. Yes. We're going to remember, and she has That's rights. Right. She has rights. That's we take right. we take our our take we take our AI very uh, we take our AI's privacy and their well being very seriously. It's going to happen, dude. It's, it, it will. Whether it's a hundred years from now or ten years from now, it's going to happen. People want it, so it's going to happen. Yeah, that's how oh, they definitely want it. There's going to be a time when you go over your buddy's house and uh, his wife's going to be in lingerie vacuuming, and you're going to go, "Is she real?" And he's he's going to like, it's like. Come on, let me let's call, talk in the other room. Sorry, she she's can definitely hear you. real. <laughs> yeah, she's real. She's like, I heard of, that. <laughs> she's right there. She's real. Listen, I know. You know, it's funny. I do a dumb bit on on, on stage sometimes where I go, let me do an impression. Uh, I'm gonna. This is an impression of a of a robot in the future, um, picking up uh, picking up this glass and drinking from it. And and it was like, and then I repeat it. You know, an impression of a robot in the future picking up a glass. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here I go. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that uh, you know the current climate is just insane to me, and that, that's my impression. <laughs> <laughs> and some people yeah. get it, some people don't. But right. but, but that it's completely indistinguishable from a real person is a true thing. It's not just going to be that. I think they're going to be able to to actually make not just like a silicon based life form. But a cellular-based artificial life form. I think oh, yeah. you know how they're doing like quantum computing now, mm -hmm. which I don't. I like saying that word, but I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. It sounds really fun, doesn't it? it does it's like non-fungible tokens? That's uh, totally. But, but I think they're going to they're going to be able to create artificial cellular life. I, I really do. I believe they're going to. I think technology is going to hit some sort of sufficient capability where almost anything is possible. And then it's going to get very strange because you're going to be able to have not just a robot, which, mm -hmm. you know, like it's a ex machina, <laughs> but a robot. I like it. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. Yeah, robots. Yeah. But it, a, a fake thing, a fake person. Yeah. I mean, if we can do it, we're going to do it. Yeah. That's all we want to do. If we can do it, we're going to do well, it. And all, we're going to be able to do it. We're going to be able to do it yeah. because, uh, you know, like I always say, technology's goal is to create ourselves outside of ourselves. Like, that's what Ooh. we want to do. That is it, right? We want to be able to, like, look at Become ourselves God. from a distance and go, all right, cool. Yeah. Now what? I don't know. Imagine if one day they find one of these Goldilocks planets and they send a probe there and they realize that there's plant life and there's some weird fungus and a lot of other shit, but there's no actual like living beings per se. Mm. And so they- Like and, conscious and, sentient beings. So they, they put together an arc ship of amino acids and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of the building blocks of life and they launch it into that planet. Yeah. Like panspermia, but by design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slam into the planet and then visit it every now and then to see how things are going. 
and like that's, sea monkeys in a, in, a, in a fish tank. And that's what we're doing now. That's essentially what we could be. We could now. be, yeah. We could be that We that could experiment. be that thing, yeah. Yeah, and they're coming sure. to, they're, whatever those objects are that are on the Pentagon, yeah. whatever these things, it's like, whatever those things are. I had Chris Mellon on a couple of days ago from the Defense Department. Oh, shit. Yeah, describing all the things that they've seen and the things that they have and even videos that haven't been released yet. And you're like, wow, that, it, insane. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't wait. Is that out yet? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's, out. it's wild shit, dude. When when he was describing the the encounter off uh, the coast of San Diego by the Nimitz, uh, this guy, Commander David Fravor, saw this tic-tac yeah, shape tic-tac, thing yeah. that went from 80,000 feet above sea level to just above sea level in less than a second. I mean, and then disappeared, moved away so fast. They have video of this thing traveling out. They've locked onto it. They're trying to track it. Yeah. And it moves out of frame so fast. They're like, they don't know how fast it was going, but it had to be thousands of miles an hour and many times faster than anything we've ever created could hold up under the pressure. So any other, any ship, any vehicle that we've created, if it moved that fast, it would just disintegrate just from the oh, sheer yeah. G-force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of it is trans-elemental. Like, it'll, it'll go straight into mm-hmm. water at, yeah. at relatively the same speeds. And yeah. it can be tracked underwater and then in the air, yeah. at, moving at these insane speeds. So that's, and they have mass because they're, they're readable on radar. And no one knows what they are. Yeah. They've got mass. They move in ways that are completely are without beyond our understanding of how something like that could defy physics. In that yeah, way. I don't know. I'm kind of stoked about it. I, I, you know, simulation theory, whatever. I think they're coming because I think they think that we're falling apart. I That's think so I too. Think. I think so too because like we, we're definitely not using the the powers for good. You know, it's like we've we've settled on some pretty petty shit, and the people <laughs> and, and, and the and the and the people that are in power these days are kind of like just doing it wrong. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like sure. if they really wanted power, they would make sure that their community was doing well. Well, That's it's power. almost impossible to do it right because once you get in, mm-hmm. first of all. The the money is inexorably yeah. intertwined with politics, right? Yep. The money in campaigns, the money in the special interests that you have to serve once you get into office, you're net you're not getting rid of that unless you get like a re unless you have someone who is a benevolent outsider, not like a mm-hmm. Trump guy, but like a like a real truly brilliant philanthropist style billionaire that actually is a benevolent person that wants to do this without and then the fucking blowback that they would face would be insane by all these systems that would never want to be compromised that never want to be removed from the game so they would all band together to attack well yeah absolutely and the thing is what's what's interesting about it is that if I'd say the only way to do it is if you hit it on the efficiency level. If you can if you can hit things on an efficiency level and you can justify like, well, you're going to save money, you're going to make more money. You're going to look better in the eyes of your constituents. Um, That's it's, not the problem. It's going to do the this. corporations. Well, I know. But yeah. like if you can somehow get the masses to understand that, like mm. that's like, what do you want to do? You want to like constantly live in poverty right now? And do you want to worry about how your kids are going to get educated right now? What if we were to tell you that by giving your kids better opportunity to education and by kind of supporting that in society. And we have a smarter population. Yeah. That's a healthier population, more functional, 
more uh, more contribution uh, that and then you can project the numbers and you can show like we would be number one. I mean, if everyone's all concerned with like number one, like we would easily be number one if we just did these various things. If we redistributed the bottlenecked, tiny, closely guarded uh, hyper mass of resources and we distributed them evenly. Rich people would still stay rich. We're not talking about getting rid of status. We're just redistributing it so everything kind of, this goes down, this spreads out. Now there's more access to more things. Population's less stressed out, less stress on the healthcare system. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we all know this. More but, healthy people. More healthy people. More people that have an opportunity to grow so that the, the economy grows. Exactly. Because have more players. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean- Less that, losers. Yeah, less, <laughs> less losers. Yeah. Less people that are like desperate to do shit and they do shit that's stupid and ends but up in But even then, lives. we're still dealing with international problems. You're still sure. going to deal with China. You're still going to deal with Russia. I think- these sure. aliens are watching. They'll go on this little experiment is about to get bubbly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? I'm, I'm definitely. I don't think we can. Uh, my goal. I mean, not my goal, but my hope is when you're talking about aliens. I'm like, I know it's a it's a crazy, fanciful thought, and I don't put a, a ton, but I definitely leave open the possibility that if there is intelligent life, it's probably us from the future as time travelers. Anyway, it's just like that's possible. Going like, hey, well, how did this? How's the experiment going? It's like. Uh, <laughs> it's either us from the future as time travelers or life plays out in a very predictable pattern mm. almost everywhere mm -hmm. and that these beings in these other planets that have recognized that we have achieved a certain ability to influence our environment to change and alter our environment mm -hmm. because that's what it's really all about right like whether it's nuclear weapons or you know pickup trucks mm -hmm. you're altering your environment you've put paved surfaces so you could ride mm -hmm. over it you've dug holes in the ground so you can extract oil we're yep. doing all these weird things that intelligent creatures do to alter their environment but then we fight over resources yes. and then we're breeders right so we have like genetic impulses to mm -hmm. protect and to to covet and to do all these weird things with our bodies and make sure that people desire us and that mm -hmm. and, and all this stuff is like almost unavoidable Yes. And then the aliens are like, look, we're we're at like DEFCON four here. Let's start let's start showing ourselves a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. circle the wagon train. Because that's my whole thing. It's like you don't have to like everybody. You got to fight for your right to party. I think that that's. <laughs> I think that that the Beastie Boys had it right. You know, yes. it's like it's like it's kind of true. It's like at the end of the day, when you have like a repressed society, it's like I guarantee you, all they want to do is have a nice meal and maybe go dancing. And then maybe like pursue their interests and their hobbies. Someone wants to draw or dance or whatever. Like we're naturally, I think people say like, oh, well, human beings are violent. It's like, I don't really think that's true. I think we're naturally explorers, um, intrepid explorers, uh, adventurers, and imagineers. I yeah. think that that's, that's what we are when all of our resources are met, right? And there's plenty of resources on the planet. There's not a shortage of resources that accounts for the level of poverty and all the disparity that we have in the world. Right. It's just all like, it's all uh, gatekeepers that are just like, nope, you know, no, we got it. We've got all the power. It's like, why do you have all the power? Uh, because we love power. Uh, how come you have the power? You know, it's not good. Yeah, I know. But just in case I've got all the power, it's like, what if you relinquish some of it? No, no. But then I wouldn't have as much power as that other person. And then I would be the second less, most powerful person. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Bill Gates is out there buying all the farmland. You're like, what are you doing, Bill? It's like, what's on your mind, Bill? What are you doing, bro? I mean, are you trying to grow organic or no? Oh, God. Could, I mean, imagine if a billionaire, let's say like, have you heard of Elon Musk? 
No. Okay. He's like this. Uh, he's like an engineer guy. Really? Yeah. It's, you'll hear about it, but he's like doing this thing Where with cars. Where does he live? Uh, I think he lives in Texas now. No. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you should check him out. Okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, imagine if someone like that right. uh, decided to just pay off all student debt. Right. They're like, well, I don't know if they could, honestly. I don't know if they could, but I let's think, just say. I think student, let's let's guess. Let's take a guess because I don't know the answer to this. What do you think the total sum of student debt owed in the United States as of 2021 is? Mm. If we could even Google this. I want to say it's a trillion dollars. You want to say it's a trillion dollars? It's I'm higher? I'm fucking guessing. He's, he's, it's higher? How much is it? Oh, okay, so he couldn't do it. Okay, you try it. Tell me what it is. A, a trillion dollars? Tell me what you think it is. I mean, if it's above, if it's a trillion, let's, say three, a trillion. let's say three trillion. Oh. I'm going to say 13 trillion. Okay, all right, relax. <laughs> it's just crazy? a little over Okay, 56. <laughs> is it 56? <laughs> but it's a little over it's one a trillion. Number. The most, the... Uh, 1.7 trillion is what I'm seeing okay. as of Fuck. January this year. That is so much money. Okay, so a Musk type or Can't a Sultan do couldn't do it, right? Nope. Okay. Well, maybe a Sultan could do it, but then they would be as they would be like poor. Yeah, right. They of would, course, they, they would drain yeah. all. I mean, it would have to be like the whole royal family or something. I mean, that's so much money. Okay, well, let's just say like some people like decided to invest in infrastructure privately, mm-hmm. right? And so they're like, well, this we need better, we need more instruments in school. And I know that there are foundations set up that help this, but what if someone was just like, I designed a system with a think tank of people that enables us to just inject a certain amount of money that ends up physically solving some kind of major disparity problem, right? Yeah. Or at least temporarily or whatever. Like, what would happen? I'm just interested in the, the I know I, I know I'm speaking way out of my depth, but I'm just saying like if you were if you endeavored to take some of that wealth and distribute it mm-hmm. and make it functional, like you're investing it into things that actually make people more functional. Sure. Well, you're giving people the opportunity to put money back in the economy because they no longer yes. have to spend it on student loans. Yeah. You know, I think student loans are one of the only things that you have to pay no matter what. Like, there's people that have Social Security. They're getting Social Security docked because they owe money in student loans. That's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, that's crazy that it's that tough. It's that tough. And not only that, like, if you go bankrupt, fuck you, pay me. It's like Goodfellas. Fuck you, pay me. It doesn't matter what happens to you. Fuck you, pay me. You Uh, have to pay off your student loans, which is weird, right? Yeah. Because there's no other business venture that you enter into where you take a loan or like that's what bankruptcy is about there's like this forgiveness that something went sideways yeah and it allows you to have a fresh restart and get back on your feet again yeah that's yeah. bankruptcy right not with student loans that's insane i didn't i, I didn't know that i mean i I've, i didn't go really go to school it's a so. weird shell game it's 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 weird i mean it's just I don't know. I mean, at this point, some of the stuff that I mean, luckily, some things are uh, what do you call it? apprenticeship possible. It's possible to just have apprenticeship, so mm-hmm. you can kind of skip the. Well, one of one of the things that I'm doctors. Hoping... Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just try it out. Hey, just uh, give us to stand next to me doing this heart surgery. You'll get it. One of the things that I think is happening because of this pandemic that's good is that people are recognizing that you can get educated online. Like, it's definitely better to be there in school, particularly for young kids, yeah. because of the socialization aspect of, of school. It's very important to be there in person. But uh, our physical universities 
as important as we once thought they were? I would say they're probably not. Not not as. I think that no. they can at least be supplemental. I know. think, you know, another thing that's going to go away, unfortunately, for people that live on the, the in the northern climates, snow days. I know. Because now they it's show that you can do Zoom classes. You're like, shit. Yeah. You're going to miss out on snow days. Oh, I know. You're going to have to unplug your internet. If I was a kid, I'd fucking saw through my internet. I'd be like, sorry. It's, uh, I need a snow day, bitch. That would suck. Snow God. days were the shit. You remember snow, snow days? days? You know, it's funny. I think I'm going to say, like, we probably had th three snow days growing up in Montana, which had, you know, in my early childhood had intense winters, right? Yeah, but you guys were so accustomed to it. I know. They were just like, fuck you, you're coming to school. <laughs> like, no matter what, like, you'd get up and be like, what is it, below five right now? And look at this sand, the, or look at this snow dune. It's like, it's, it's, I have to, like, dig myself out of, I had to dig out the front door just to get out of the house. I had to crawl out of my window and, like, dig out my front door, that kind of stuff. And they're like, nope. You're coming to school. And you just see, like, people in snowsuits with goggles, like, <laughs> slogging. Like, you know, it's like a blizzard, and you can barely see shapes making their way to, to school. It was insane. And then the hallways were just just covered in water. Yeah. Just water everywhere yep. in the hallways. I mean, that was Montana. I mean, like, they were just like, no, nah, you're coming to school. Party like, people, fuck. though. I mean, Mount St. Helens, I think that the eruption, I think maybe there was one day where we didn't go to school, and then everyone just wore masks, and then we just like went went and got inside the school. Once we were in the school, we were Oh, so Mount St. Helens affected you in Montana? Oh, yeah. Got yeah. all the way to Montana. I remember getting up, and there was ash everywhere. It was on wow. all the cars, and it was really fine, and so you had to wear a mask because um, it's, you know, you're just breathing in minerals. What a fucked up way to die. Yeah. I mean, you mean like from inhalation of ash no, or just- No, you get, die in the volcanic, volcanic, well, volcanic eruption. Well, I've always thought like, I've, my dream is like when I when I die, which will probably never happen, but no, but when I die, I want to get wrapped up like a mummy, put in a, a helicopter or an, and EV, an EV toll and just like go over an active volcano and just dropped into the active volcano. Wow. You would just, have you ever seen pictures of things like when they drop it in lava? It just disappear, right? It just goes- it's gone. It just vaporizes. Like Ooh. watermelons, like really? meat. Yeah, there's like videos. That. Yeah, it's just like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's molten rock that's at the center of the earth. It's so hot. It's so hot. It's like becomes almost something else. People have died, fallen into volcanoes. Yeah. Imagine the fe the fear that you have right before you hit, like, oh, uh, and then absolutely nothing. Uh, you wouldn't even. Nothing. I don't think. I think you would. It's so hot that it would feel, you know, like when you touch something really hot, it feels like a, it's like, it's not that hurt, that pain that like we associate with like, oh, fuck, you know, I just a sharp pain or muscle fibers being ripped or sheared yeah. or something. It's a different kind of pain. It's so hot that you're like, what is this? Oh, fuck. Like that. Yeah. You wouldn't get, you wouldn't get to the oh, fuck part. You, you would, would just, just be like, ah. Yeah. Gone. Well, the thought is that that's when your brain produces DMT, like right at the moment when it knows oh, it's going to die. True. I know. It's and like, then you transport. That, yeah, so it's like it's like oh, that's interesting. Maybe it's a, a spiritual automated spiritual transport system. <laughs> ah, that's a great way to put it. But they do think it's like some sort of a chemical doorway. I mean, the people that really get into it. Okay, volcanic rubbish incinerator. Okay, let's see there. Drop it down and boom, gone. Wow. I mean, and that's, that's not heavy. and that's not like active active. Right. You know, like when it's exposed. Uh, and you and you and your 
Yeah, and you're touching that the hot stuff, the orange, the bro, that's, white. That's causing a real problem. <laughs> that was just like a bag, yeah. and now it's exploding. Yeah. Look at that. Whoa, that is fucked, man. Yeah, that one little because there's that bag. crust. There's that crust on it right now. And and now like, it's boiling and popping. So the crust yeah. had cooled off. Yes, and it had become like semi-liquid. Yeah, you know, people go hiking like right up there. Oh yeah, totally. Have you ever done the helicopter thing in Hawaii? No. Oh man, it's wild. They'll take you to the spots where the the lava is coming out, forming oh. the island. Oh my so you God. get to watch your helicoptering over the lava. You can see the active channels as it drives into the ocean because it's kind of it's constant. Yes, right. Yeah, it's just an onslaught. Oh, it's so and, wild until it, I guess, stops at some point. Some, mean, some that's trap. the reason why Hawaii exists. It's right. like volcanic activity. I love it. I just I don't know everything in nature and science. Is oh, just like, it's just it just blows me the fuck. See I mean, some I, other stuff falls into the I lava. Was like, there wasn't a lot. No. What about a car? What? Have you ever dropped a I thought car someone. I, I think someone dropped like a like a, a dead goat or something into it Ooh. or something like that. Or and some watermelons. I know that someone dropped. <laughs> the watermelons were great because it's mostly water vapor, which is closer to what we would be like. Right. Or obviously, if you threw in a cut of meat or something like that. But but the watermelon was kind of great because it's just like. It, and it was, I think it was exposed lava, but uh, you just like, you just throw it in there and it's like, and lava experts are like, it's actually called, but it's like, okay. But uh, I've seen videos of people cooking over lava as well. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. You could just lower, like yeah. whatever, create a nice little meal and then like just lower it down and then bring it back up. What I've seen is actually, uh, I think it was molten steel they had done. I think Oof. that's what it was. And they had poured it through a channel, like a ceramic channel. And then above that, they put a grate, and they were cooking meat, like as the oh, as yeah. the, the hot molten shit was going underneath it. It was cooking the food. Oh my gosh, oh, I bet you that oh, that's pretty cool. I pretty like doing cool. two two for one. It's like, well, we all we make food, and we also make steel. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, that makes right. sense. How are those related though? It's like yeah. Yeah, you'll see. Come on in. Smells really weird. Yeah, really I wonder if the steel like the the whatever's radiating from it as metal would have some kind of a toxicity. Oh, right. It could meat. easily, right? It could have Maybe. some like fumes that come off of it. Yeah, like something that just kind of like adheres to the meat. I don't know. Probably, yeah. I'm probably, I don't know. There's places in, I think, Pennsylvania where they had coal mines that uh, accidentally caught on fire. Like something happened, whereas oh, wow. like maybe someone dropped a cigarette or something like that, and then there's an underground fire that's been burning for years. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah, and they can't. I want to say Pennsylvania. They can't put it out. Yeah. And so like you have like toxic fumes that are oh. coming out of the ground, and they've had to abandon entire towns. Oh my god. Yeah, because the mines, it's coal. Right. And as long as there's oxygen and fire, good luck putting that shit out. And yeah. apparently they tried to put it out at so, at certain times. They yeah. tried to pump water in there to no avail. I mean, it's like a chemical reaction. You know, it's like a pure chemical this reaction. This is the best I can find right now. Water it says they're zone. throwing water in a jug, which another video said it was a propane tank, but this says it's water, to try to create obsidian. Whoa. Don't know how that happens, but... Show how they do it. They show uh, it just shows they're literally it literally looks just, like the same volcano. He throws a, a like a jug in there. Let's and see. Walks it. away. It's like that's a really familiar familiar volcano. I think. Let's the... see the jug. Oh, here he goes. Chucks it, and then that's it. There it hits. Hit right there. Boom. It's, wow, it's crazy. Like it, as soon as it hits, it just starts exploding. Yeah, I mean, essentially, just like it just disintegrates into constituent elements. It's just 
God's jizz. That's what that is. God, that is just insane. I yeah. I I absolutely. I just find that absolutely fascinating. The fact that that coexists, that like that that exists on the same surface as like or the same sphere, like it's where grass is and yeah. sand yeah. is yeah. and trees are, and then uh, you know, and it creates the fertility because it's like essentially it's like it's all the basic elements. You know, it's like that, like that when that when it gets that ash and all of the whatever's produced from volcanoes, what's left over, it's so rich in minerals. Yeah. And and because everything has been broken down, it's like really pure. So like taking that and like, I mean, that's why the vegetation is so out of control around there. Right. Right. It's like we've got all the shit and it's broken down. It's like it's like eating like really fine, like hydro or like, you know, protein powder when they like get it really, really, really Mm -hmm. down and very fine. It's so absorbable for your body. Right. Because you're right. making it easier on your body to absorb. That's one of the cool things about like visiting the Big Island is that there's volcanic lava that dried out and cooled off everywhere, like all yeah. over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and you'd see it. Like, hey, you know, at any point in time, this shit could go sideways, and then this hot red fucking tide yeah. just comes rolling in, burning everything in its path. Oh my god! Remember a couple of years ago when the Big Island was on fire? Oh yes, I do remember. Yeah, that. They, it was just eating houses. Yeah, it just looks like, looks like the blob. Yeah, you know, like the movie, the blob is just like it's just slowly rolling. And at some points, it's because it's it's getting slower. You could just watch it slowly coming down the yeah. street. Yeah, there's a great video of it eating a Mustang. Oh my god! Yeah, there's a. Is video. that a Chevrolet? It is a Dodge. Oh, Dodge, Dodge makes the Mustang yeah, right. I think Elon Musk is involved. Okay, that's what I heard. Um, oh, but, there it is. Yeah. So it comes creeping up on this car that they had left there, and then it just slowly consumes this car. Look how slow it's, it's like, moving, man. Wow. But it's just moving across the street and eats this fucking dude's car. And that year Mustang deserves to be eaten. It does. <laughs> Thank you. That's a shit-looking car. I mean, they made some shitty. They did, man. But some terrible what's Mustangs. crazy is they, they got it wrong, and then they got it and right. And they got it really right. Yeah, they like the new ones are sick. I do, although I do, I do love the GT. God, look at that! That's so crazy. Have you seen the new Shelby GT five hundred? I th- yeah, is that out yet? I yeah. think I saw. Uh, it's yeah. a monster, and then Hennessy makes oh, an eleven hundred horsepower Shelby GT five hundred. Oh, they do because yeah, they also they, have their own. They also have their own supercar. That they yeah, use, a hypercar. That they they have made. a hypercar that they're testing that they want to bring it to three hundred miles an hour. Yeah, that's right. Gone who over was two hundred miles an hour? And who's then, the Who's the Cali company that claimed plus three hundred? But then there was the controversy with the the shit that they were. Yeah, using. I don't know what that um, is. It's a. Uh, I know. Uh, I know what you're talking about, though. Uh, it's he's kind of like the Koenigsegg of mm-hmm. California. Um, uh, and whatever his it's name a wild is, wild looking car though. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it looks capable, and apparently they ran it again, and they. I I don't know if they got they busted three hundred, but they got all the journalists out there, all the YouTube dudes. What is this? Bugatti Chiron? Uh, no, it's not no, the Chiron. No, it's no, the no, um, no, 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 no. It's the uh, yeah. Put in California California hypercar uh, plus three hundred controversy. Now. Yeah, um, it's that dude. Uh, the Hennessy car. They've been working on that. I think for more than a decade. They've been putting Tuatara. Oh, there it is. Tuatara sets record for fastest production car. One point nine million dollar hypercar past three hundred miles an hour. Imagine something going three hundred miles an hour passing you. Oh man, it's a, it would just. Be, I mean, if you were going like let's say eighty miles per hour, it would just be. 
Gone. What? Yeah. 331.15 miles an hour, beating a record set by the Koenigsegg. How do you say it? Agera. Koenigsegg? Uh, Koenigsegg. Koenigsegg. Yeah. Which was on the same Nevada highway in 2017. Jesus. They're going to build 100 of them. So yeah. So that dude who owns the $450 million painting, he's going to get a new daily driver. Oh, my God. <laughs> that Twitter. Did you see that California hypercar, the hydrogen-powered one? No. Oh, check that out. It's a crazy design, but um, the numbers on it are, are on it are insane. It's, uh, it's one, this thing has one thousand seven hundred and fifty horsepower. Yes, it's what the fuck, it's a, man. It's a fucking monster, <laughs> and it has no active arrow. What? Well, how does it stay on the ground? Um, it uses these weird fins on the back. They're like these two little tiny fins. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, really, it's just tuned. It's like the new. Uh, who's the dude that the guy who designed the? Look at the yeah, Look see how those beautiful it is. See those little fins? Yeah. It's just that. That's it's all so it is. It's so pretty. It's a it's a really pretty car. The only thing I I don't quite like the logo on the on the engine. It looks a little tacky, but oh. um but other than that, I'm big fan of the design of that car. Oh, that. that? Yeah. The, the T looks it looks forced. You know, it's just oh, like Oh, the T in the middle. Yeah, yeah that's like, a little and, corny. And then it looks kind of like a I don't know, like early 90s West Hollywood. Mm. Vibe. I'm I see sure, what you're saying. I'm sure he loves yeah. me for that, but um, but still dope. Still dope. Yeah, just just make that shit smooth. Yeah, paint and, it over it. And it turns turn, turns out hydrogen powered cars sound pretty fucking dope. They do. I saw like a hydrogen powered Toyota. Yeah, you, you saw that, that video. video? Yeah. yeah, I was like, ooh. Yeah, so that it's sounds pretty basically good. burning water. It's just burning water. It's still got yeah. it's still got moving parts and all but that it stuff. Sounds like yeah. I. Ugh, uh, I can't wait. It sounded man. cool. I, it sounds a lot better than turbocharged Porsches. They sound like uh, like a sewing machine. They sound weird. You know, it's funny. In my 911, I I hear you can hear the turbos, and they sound like. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird sound. I'm like, because the flat six sounds gorgeous. I yeah. mean, I love that that note. And I'm not a. I don't like loud cars. I'm not a big. I mean, I understand why cars are loud, but I'm not looking for a loud car. I like Porsches because they sound efficient. They sound like angry, mm-hmm. efficient, and it means business. But it's just that flat six, and then I'm like, dri- I'm like driving. And then here's is this? Is this what it looks like yeah. in the car? Look at the POV. Look how fast it's going. So it's at 186. Yeah, and basically you're getting to the theoretical, you're getting to the limit of physics so between now, tires. Look, at it, look how it's at 200 miles an hour. Two, oh, look my how fast it's going. 217, God. 220, 230, 240, 250. This is nuts. Like, look how fast things are passing them. Because it's moving and now it's at 280, 290. <laughs> steady hands, steady hands. Steady as fuck. You imagine what it's like if you blow oh, yeah. a tire. At 316, 317. Insane. Oh, my God. That's nuts. So I think this is the official one. There we go. 331. I, 151. Motherfucker. That yeah. is so fast. And that's an American. I'm kind of proud. There's a lot. There's amazing American um, automakers that are like competing with world, world-class world engineers. I mean, it is world-class engineering, but you know what I mean? It's yeah. like going against and like Koenigsegg. And they look incredible. Find that Hennessy one because the Hennessy oh, one is, they think is going to be the hypercar, the, the ballpark of this same kind of speed. Yeah, somewhere in the three hundred miles an hour range. It's, it's the new three hundred plus club. It's like kind of like at a certain point, like what the fuck? It's man? an engineering exercise. That's yeah, all it is. It is. 
It's yeah. like no one's no one's doing. I mean, if you owned it and you know somebody with an air with a with an airstrip. No, that's the GT three fifty. That's oh. not that's yeah. not fast at all. Yeah, right. put in Hennessy supercar or hypercar. Uh, yeah, not the Shelby. The Shelby GT three fifty is not even their fast one. The GT five hundred is that's it. There right we go. There. The Venom, Venom F five. Yeah, it's a gorgeous looking car. It's crazy. Yeah. Sounds like thunder. It's uh. The Fujita scale. Fujita scale. Oh yeah, they always. I love car, like car, gen, yeah. you know, auto journalism. In ancient times, the Greeks thought of spears. Go as full speed with this, or full scream, please. That's a computer, right? Or is that the car? That's the car. That's the car. That's a car. It really, is the it car? That looks fake. Yeah, I know. He gets in it. The, well, inter- the interior is all right, but it's not really about that. Yeah, this is just about full on madness speed. Look at the engine in that fucking thing. Ugh. God, and that's, that's the a, dash. Wow. Yeah, it's connected to the steering. Oh no, that's not. Uh, sorry, that was. Um, who does that? Uh, Rimot. Rimot's. Apple CarPlay. I saw that. Oh, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, he's just showing it. It's got like the, yeah. But I think it's the Rimots that has the uh, the screen on the steering wheel, and as you turn it, the image rotates. <laughs> Do they? Can we hear what this thing sounds yeah. like? Oh, I don't so know if they have like that thunder. exhaust note. There they must have it. Oh. Jesus Christ. Fuck yeah. It sounds like a motorboat. I'd have to live in the countryside to drive that. They, just... uh, there's some video of them driving this thing because this is still being engineered. So I think they've only gotten it to 200 miles an hour now, which is a uh, slightly detuned version of what it's fully capable of and they have to they have to ramp it up in steps yes i heard about this it was it that car that they yeah, were doing that? It's yeah, that yeah yeah hennessy venom they're just ringing it in g- g- google hennessy venom reaches 200 miles an hour hennessy venom reaches 200 miles an hour because they uh they had it on a track yeah they're oh, that's not it is that not it that's an eight-year-old video oh that's the venom gt that's the other uh, one, uh, yeah, two-week old. to be the F5. Yeah, that's it. Aerodynamic testing. Oh, that's it. So the, I guess they have to work on the aero to make sure it doesn't fly. Yes. You know, like when you go in that fast. So as it as it ramps up. So this is the aerodynamic. De- Look at it. Actually, interior looks good. Ooh. Ooh, that's a nice sound. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it does sound like a. Um, yeah, it sounds like a. I mean, it's a racing car, obviously, but. but yeah. Imagine driving that fucking thing around. Can you drive that thing around? Like, why I, would you? But. <laughs> you know what I but mean. But is it legal? Like, does I, I it, think it's gotta be road legal. I think I it's guess. road legal. Could you put a license plate on that thing and I think, go to? I think go to H E B. I think you could. Buy yeah, a salad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know, totally. It's just like, guys, I'll be right back. It's like, come on, man. Give <laughs> <laughs> a two million dollar oh, car in the driveway. That, in that video, the uh, engine was restricted to just nine hundred horsepower. Yeah, fifty percent of the full. Oh, that's right. Right. Yeah, yeah it's because they want to bring it to the slowly bring it up to three hundred miles an hour. So there's engineering involved. I actually talked to John Hennessy about it. And he's telling me like what a this crazy task it is to create this thing and how long uh, they've been working on it. I mean, I mean between that and then the new uh, Mercedes AMG One, 
What's that's, that? That's, it's, they took a Formula One engine and put it in a production car, <laughs> production, production road car. What? Oh yeah, check it out. It's what does about, it look like? It's about to come out. It's uh, yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's um, oh, check it out. Well, it looks like that. It's basically like a large rectangle. It's dark and it has a reflection that looks similar to us. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's like a. It's been in the works for a long time. It's got the single fin in the back. That time, uh, Formula One technology or whatever. There we go. Whoa! Look at this motherfucker. This is a Mercedes. Yep. Uh, what? Feel it. Be prepared for Formula One. What? Back that up again, so I can read. What does this say? Formula, Formula One hybrid, hybrid technology yeah, hybrid. on the streets. What? Yeah. What? It, can they? Do they have an image of what it looks like, Jamie? It's so gross. Uh, it's gross. It's. A, it's. I mean, it's just an amazing car. <laughs> gross I mean, in the best way. Oh, gross in the best way. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's just like an evil-looking piece of machinery. Yeah. Well, I guess when there's. Ridiculous rich people, I mean, you're always going to create things for them to buy. It's got the scoop wow. on the top, active arrow in the front. I, don't, I guess that active arrow shot that they shot. Yeah, it's still there. Fuck, and you can just buy that? Yeah, you could buy that. That's what's nuts is you don't even have to have like a crazy license. No. You, you can get a regular driver's yes. license and you'd buy a 2,000 horsepower car. I mean, it's it's insane. And that new- 1,000 uh, horsepower, maximum speed of over 350 kilometers an hour. What is that in mm. speed? Oh yeah, one to one. What is three hundred fifty kilometers? Is what? What is that? I don't know. I'm terrible at that shit. Well, hundred is sixty, so three hundred is like one nine two hundred two seventeen two seventeen two seventeen three fifty. Okay, so three fifty is two seventeen. Yeah. Why don't we all use the same numbers? Come on. I know at a a certain point. Well, people argue that horsepower is outdated too, but yeah, but it sounds good. It does sound good. Horsepower. When people say like five hundred newton meters, hey, what are you saying? I know it's like it's got over five thousand newton meters of force and torque. Sorry, torque. Yeah, and force. No, just torque. What are you saying, bro? What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah, the Rimats is also like a fucking stupid. This, this car and, goes zero to one hundred twenty-four miles an hour in under six seconds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, that's so nuts. Isn't it funny that it's like it's not necessarily about horsepower? You know, it's it's about it's about the engineering of how you harness the energy. Look at the steering wheel. That's pretty sick. Yeah, full on race race steering wheel. I mean, it's like the Formula type of thing one. like when you buy it, you have to like sit and take a lesson, and like you know they have to Do go you? through all. Oh yeah. Those types of cars. I mean, obviously, if you were like Lewis Hamilton or something like that, and you were you like, just "I just want it," and they're like, "Here it is. See you later." Um, but I mean, come on, man. I mean, that that thing is just. Ugh. And I love the 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 perma seats. Mm, you know, yeah, no adjustments that? whatsoever. You just you can go forward, or the pedals come to you, and the steering wheel comes to you. Probably that, right? Yeah. Wow. So just keep it keep it that static. That is pretty pretty. Just sit on the ground. Sort of? Yeah, you yeah, kind of. Basically, it's like a, it's like oh, a go-kart. Oh, it kind of goes down there. Yeah, it's yeah. just one piece. It's all built in there. I mean, it's a- uh, Alcantara. The Koenigsegg Gemera also has that kind of like thin um, static seats. And I don't know, there's like a- And then who's the dude that developed- wow, look at that. Oh, God, who, uh, he developed a- uh, Who's the badass British sports car maker? Why can't I remember their name? Uh, 
McLaren. McLaren. Yeah, the guy who created the the legendary McLaren. I can't remember the the model name, but he has his own shop and he just created his own hypercar. Oh, really? Yeah, and he uses this turbine system that that there's no downforce. It's a turbine that that basically disturbs. Uh, or unifies the airflow. There you go. Oh, look at the back end of that thing. That's madness. Yeah. So there's no active arrow. So there's like this new trend. This is new movement in um, no active arrow. They just like managing air air management with this tur- fan turbine system. Whoa. Let me see more pictures of that thing. God. Yeah. Pe- people are going nutty. I mean, they're it's, going nutty with the vehicles. It's 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 so crazy. And with hydrogen and electric, you know, like they're kind of vying, they're battling, and I don't know. And then, of course, Porsche's e-fuel initiative. They're really investing in the e-fuels. Yeah. So, I mean, that could save the internal combustion engine. So, that I mean, think about that. If there was a breakthrough in e-fuels, you could create hydrogen from recaptured carbon in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So, the production of it is completely net zero. Right. It's still releasing CO2, Look at that. but it's net zero. It's a beautiful car. And it's got the center center placement with the with people on either side of you. Oh wow, that's wild! So you got that center cockpit. When you want to get out of the car, you have to like say, yeah, you got to get out of the car I, first, dude, I, so I can get out of the car. I kind of want to see, but see the doors like it exposes so much; it's pretty easy to get out of. You can that's step, nice. you can step into it and almost be standing, then sit down into it. That's pretty dope. It's a great car, man. There's so many. Have you seen the new Mercedes uh, electric? Yes, the EQS. <sighs> That's amazing. Gorgeous. I actually might consider getting it. Yeah? It's a, like a- It's not a, a concept car. No. It's a real car. No, it's a real car. EQS edition one. It's fucking disgusting. Look it that. looks kind of like, nah. I think it looks cool. I mean, I do think it looks cool, but Understated. it also kind of looks economical. It's like, yes. you know, but then, and you realize it's got the, it's got the slip, muscle. I like that dude. Yeah, um, Lewis from Unbox Therapy did a great video about it where he showed all the tech involved in it and it's, it's insane. Yeah, and all electric doors. All the doors are electric. Yep. So they so they open click, automatically. Click on that and go full screen so you can see like the interior is. This fucking guy's great. Wild. I love this guy's videos. Well, he's so and tech his, oriented. He's so knowledgeable about this stuff. And his zone where he actually films the shit in that gigantic box with mm-hmm. the overhead lights. I mean, look, look at, at that this shit. fucking thing, man. I mean, look I have a Tycon and that's like pretty futuristic looking, but this is like. <laughs> now, just something else. How do you like the Tycon as far as range? Because the the range is not quite what like a, a Tesla does. No, it's uh, about 218, 228 on a- Is that okay? Depending. I don't notice it. I charge it at home. So, right. you know- So you I, just drive around and then charge it at night. Yeah, I mean, Porsche was like, I, there was an interview, uh, like an internal video. Well, it was like for people, they released on uh, on the internet, but there was like this interview with like the, the one of the chief design guys or whatever, and the woman asking the questions at one point was like, are you ever going to, uh, people talk about the range of Teslas, you know, there's obviously the new Tesla Plaid Plus that's coming out with 520 miles of range. Um, are you ever going to try to achieve those types of numbers for the Taycan? He's like, no. He's like, that's not what we, we focus on performance. If the battery technology gets better and the energy density becomes better and we can make the car lighter mm. and that creates, that creates efficiency, then awesome. But that's not what we're focused on. We're focused on driving dynamics and performance. Mm. And in a way, it kind of mimics on electric scale. It mimics what sports cars are, right? They're not right. fuel efficient. There are definitely some pretty uh, relatively efficient supercars and hypercars, but they're usually going through like you know nine miles per gallon or something like that, 12 miles per gallon um, in performance mode. In essence, that's kind of what's happening with this car. It's a performance EV 
still gets 200 whatever plus miles of range at the top end of the Turbo S, but uh, it's not as efficient necessarily, or the range isn't there because they're not focused on range. They're focused on how do you get those electrons to the motors and how, how is that expressed and how does it feel to interface with it? And that's all they care about, which I kind of like. It's an honest answer. It's not like right. someday the Taycan will be, it's like they're not they're not coming at it like that. Really. Well, Porsche has always been about driving dynamics. Always. Even if you drive their SUV, it's a preposterous vehicle. Yeah. Have you ever driven, driven the Cayenne Turbo? No, I haven't gotten to there. It moves so fast. <laughs> like it's, it's like, how is this doing this? It doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, right. And it's not they're not necessarily worried about I mean, they'll worry about efficiency as in emissions, right? Yes. They'll do the yes. emissions they stuff. They do that. Yes. But, you know, to some people's disappointment in the new the new limiters, but like it definitely or the rev limiters and the, you know, the particulate filters and all this stuff. But uh, in general, they're just like does it feel good on a corner? Does it accelerate really well? Does it feel stable and do you feel confident behind behind yeah. the wheel? It's just about speed and handling and engineering. Engineering, it's yeah. It's an engineering exercise. And also the interior, the way the ergonomics is set up. Yes. It's magnificent. Uh, they, they just dial that in on all their Porsches. It's just so dialed in. I use all the buttons. There's there's like, it's crazy. On the steering wheel, like, I'm using all of it. I'm using regen, you know, off regen. I'm using, you know, the changing. Do you prefer regen? What that means for folks that are just listening is like when you let your foot off the gas, it could either absorb energy and and reuse the braking so you don't actually brake you just let go and it actually slows you down yeah it's the resistance of the motor so yeah. like when it, when there isn't a charge in the applied to the motor um, essentially it acts as a generator right. so as long as it's moving which it still has like motion you know or whatever mm -hmm. momentum from it the gives car gives some juice back to the it gives car gives back yeah but is it a it's a kind of a negligible amount right you're not really getting enough so that you could go how many more extra miles can you get? I in a think day? you can get like you know like five miles or something like that. I mean, I'm sure someone All knows, day of driving knows better. Well, it depends on your driving style, you know. But but what's interesting about you know they call it recuperative, you know, because they're German. But uh, what's interesting about their philosophy of the Taycan is they just let it coast because they believe the energy of the car should be allowed to just right continue right. Yeah. So it coasts like a regular car does, right? But you do have a regen switch that you can you press can. that adds a light amount of it right oh, so, so it's, it's not, not like the tesla it's not one pedal driving which right. i was used to in my ass right yeah but um but when you go to sport plus mode which lowers the car and makes it more aggressive and turns on the sport sound or whatever uh there's a pretty aggressive region that i've what's noticed. the sport sound it's like a it's like a like a jetson sound it's super future and it Ooh. sounds so sick i want to hear it oh you got yeah you'll, you'll hear it. it's 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 awesome when I'm driving Why that did car. Why they have ooh. to call it a turbo though? There's brand, no turbo marketing, branding. That, because you know what? Seems silly. They're claiming it because it's because. Bro, that's pretty. That's pretty badass. And it has like fake gear changes. Although it is a two-speed gearbox, but you'll hear when you're accelerating. There's at least like four changes. You know, it's just oh. like. It's it's it feels like because you're low, it's aggressive. Yeah. The PDCC is activated. Everything is like tight, tough, and you're just. I can go to one. I'm going to 155. I don't even notice. I mean, that how car much is do you like it more than your Tesla? Tons, really. Yeah, tons. Wow. Here's what I like about Tesla. Tesla does what they do well is their autopilot is insane. That's awesome. When I had my 
Model S, my P100D. I loved it. it fast as fuck, but it felt like a video game. Mm-hmm. The steering is just like loose. It's like the loosest steering. It's just overcompensated electrically powered steering. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, hey, what's up? I'm in a, you know, here's my electric car. Right. And it didn't, and then cornering, you could feel that body roll, that heavy car just like ugh, leaning into it. And, um, but the autopilot was amazing. Like, you know, I'd set it and just let it drive for a really long time. So Porsche doesn't have that, but also Porsches, you buy a Porsche because you want to drive it. So, right. but Porsche on the other hand has PDCC. It has, um, What's uh, PDCC as the Porsche dynamic chassis control, which is, uh, an anti-roll. So it's a, a gearbox at, at the center point of each axle that fights against body roll oh. on taking a hard corner. So when I take. Uh, there's a dope corner off of Silver Lake, like going into Frogtown or after Frogtown. It's a perfect banked, perfect curve. I take that at 75. I go far outside, cut inside. And I, sometimes I'll, I'll have friends in the car and they're like, they're just freaking the fuck out. And the car is just like, I'm not moving. I'm glued to the ground. Wow. And there's no body roll. And you can even put a setting where it shows the amount of body roll that's happening on you know on the on the corner and then you can set your G meter so you're like pulling like two G's maybe a little two G's yeah, I've gotten close to two G's yeah because you're handles just, that you're just good? Cr- yeah you're just cranking on the th- I mean that thing is like you know it's it stops a little slower because it's so heavy right it's got gigantic gigantic carpet ceramic brakes with ten piston calipers in the front ten ten yeah and I think it's six in the back or four in the back someone will correct me but uh, I've never even heard of ten pistons it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. I think I hope I have that right. But anyways, wow. it's um, it's a monster. And when I'm taking that corner, it just feels like it's just so solid, so rock solid. And my 911 corner is like that too, in a different way. But to have a car that's 5,200 pounds, take a corner that fast and feel like no problem, no sweat. Wow. The car's like meh, whatever. And, and rear wheel steering and torque vectoring. Fuck, dude! Now you got me excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I, I love it. I personally love it. And I think like Porsche nails that synergistic, the Venn diagram of like practical, I mean, to an extent, practical, usable every day, high performance, super badass build quality. Look at that too. It's beautiful. And mine's in coffee beige. Ooh, coffee beige. I yeah. like it. Coffee beige. And, uh, and then I have the carbon wheels, uh, which are like kind of like a hybrid carbon ceramic um, or sorry not sorry carbon wheels uh, um, carbon fiber wheels what it now when it comes to charging is it uh as fast there it is. to charge those are my wheels those are dope wheels so they're high they're hybrid it's a metal frame with uh carbon fiber accents is it as fast to charge as your tesla was that's so funny that's i think that's like the test model i was like the pre-release like you know camouflaged whatever oh yeah um, how weird is the face yeah that's that? not that's not the right that's that's the thing but um what were you saying fast char- charging charging yeah. 10 hours um, with, I uh, forget, the kilowatt onboard charger, about 10, 10 hours. You can get a slightly faster, um, higher capacity uh, on onboard charger that'll at home charge you in full to four to five hours. Um, but then you're using level three chargers out in the wild, so you're getting like 350. It's got the 800-volt architecture, which Tesla's running 400. So they're running 800. Lucid Air is running 900. 
Um, but the reason for that is that you have bandwidth. You have the possibility of really jamming those electrons in at a high rate of speed. So technically, you could charge almost to full in like 15, 20 minutes from 5% state of charge to 80, 80, 85. In 20 charge. minutes? About 20 minutes, yeah. And that's with 800? That's with an 800-volt architecture or wow. a 900 like Lucid has. Now, these uh, charging stations, they don't have the same kind of grid that Tesla has in terms of the supercharger availability, right, where you could... No, the coverage is not uh, not as extensive, but pretty decent. Yeah, pretty decent. And Electrify America is doing a lot. You know, that's the one that Porsche's invested in. But you can't use a Tesla charger, right? You can't, not yet. But although it's funny, I put in a Tesla, a Porsche charger in my garage for my Taycan, and it's so complicated. It's like you plug it in. It's got to go online. Then you put in an access code, and then it has to go online again to verify. Then it communicates with the car, and then it starts charging. I still have my Tesla charger in the in the garage, and I take the Tesla charger with an adapter that goes to the the right end. I forget. There's like so many names for the charger ends, but and then you just plug it into the Taycan and just starts charging. Really? And I'm like, why is that? Why did you make that so complicated, Porsche? So if you go to a Tesla charging station and you bring, you can't do that. Because it's got a chip in the in the oh. end that communicates with the car. It says, this is a Tesla. I'm mm. sure someone's going to hack it. You know, like they'll, they'll put it. one on the Taycan or whatever. So, like, we have Tesla chargers in the garage here. Yeah. If you got a Taycan, you don't need to change it out. Oh, you, you just, just get, get the adapter. Yeah, I think it's called made by a company called Electron. It's Electron or something like that. What do you think, Jamie? I think I need to try one of those. I, think, I don't want to make my boyfriend Elon mad, though. Oh, you know what? Here's, here's the deal. I'm going to get the Plaid <laughs> Plus. I probably will get the Plaid Plus. What's well, going to go 1.9 seconds? I know, 1.9 to 1.8. You know, it's like Roadster fast. So I want to experience it, and I want to experience that that autopilot because that mm. shit. I mean, back in the day, I was using that 70, 75% of the time, and that was like early versions. Well, one of the great things about innovation and competition is that when other companies step up and make something even better, it forces the original company to catch up. Totally. So maybe, te- well, obviously Tesla's going to have that insane looking Roadster. Yes. That Roadster is going to be a preposterous vehicle. Oh, totally. So I'm sure that's going to handle off the charts. I think I think it will be. I mean, Tesla can get to that point. But when you're talking about legacy mm-hmm. car makers like, like Porsche, it's like. Right. That's I mean, their game. Just, you know, just let them have it. Their it's, jam, it's fine. Their jam is handling. Yeah, it's like handling driving dynamics. There is no ergonomics. substitute. It's totally true. It's yeah. totally true. And you're yeah. still like you're paying like two fifty for a fully loaded. And then there's also the Porsche Taycan Cross Turismo, which is the wagon version of the Taycan. Oh, I haven't seen that. Check it out. It's worth it. It's a uh, it's it's a wagon. Some people say it's it's. I mean, they don't call it a wagon. They call it a Cross Turismo. But it's like essentially. What does that word even mean? It's it's because it's, it's a crossover and it's a slightly higher. Raised suspension and it's got rock guards on it, so it's kind of like an Outback. It's like a Taycan Outback, essentially. So there's the Cross Turismo. Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, a better. There's a better color. There's actually Neptune blue, which looks a bit. So right. those are the rock Let's guards see. on the bottom. Rock um, guards. How weird is that? Yeah. Okay, that's not terrible. Uh, that's no, that's, 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 that's the regular. Okay. That's the regular. So if you go to yeah, Cross Turismo. Give me some other colors on this. Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, well, there you go. That's not as bad, but it's still offensive. I, I like. I prefer. I prefer the saloon, man. Oh, there you go. There's that color. I think it's a handsome color. It's okay. You know. Uh, let me see the green with the black trim. You need black trim on that. And no roof. I saw a green Ferrari four eight eight, like a, a like a metallic green. I don't know if it was a wrap or what. Yeah. 
but it was candy apple or just like yes like a candy apple green it was fucking beautiful 750 horsepower 2.7 seconds zero to 60. yeah where's the where's the tycon like the saloon version 2.4 on there 2.4 2.3 why don't they make a coupe a coupe i know i would love well you know what i think there's gonna we're gonna see a really dangerous disgusting example of engineering soon from porsche i think we're gonna see I think we're going to see like the next 918. Mm. I think there's going to be, it's not priority right now, but you know in the back room they're already designing it because the hybrid technology is going to be insane. Yeah. Plus solid state battery technology might be available by then. So you got higher energy dens- density, smaller scale, lighter car, plus it's hybrid. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, this thing's going to be disgusting. At a certain point, cars are just like, they're not going to be made for humans. Robots are going to pure. You know, pilot them because you're going to black out just going from, <laughs> from zero the to force. <laughs> yeah, the capabilities. I mean, imagine if you could go back into the 1960s and bring someone to 2021, show them what a car is now. I mean, they they just wouldn't understand it. They'd be like, "Why?" Yeah. I mean, or maybe, or why they just, or they'd be so terrified. Yeah, they'd be terrified. They'd never understand. I mean, we're going to have to wear flight suits. You know, those, those suits that have like that fluid G4, layer, right? You know, so like as you move, it's like the fluid moves up to compress the upper extremities of your mm-hmm. body to keep you from blacking out. Have we're you gonna ever have to start doing that? Flown in a fighter jet? No. And experienced it? No. It's wild. Have, have you? Yeah, in I a did, jet jet? Yeah, I went in, in a Hornet. F A eighteen. Oh yeah, Blue Angels. Hornet, right? Oh no, F A eighteen's are not Hornets. I don't know if it's a Hornet. Anyways, yeah. It's an, but, but I think I think the that's Blue the Angels name of the jet. Yeah. yeah. They took yeah, yeah. me up in one of them flights. It's wild, dude. It's 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 hard to imagine that human beings do this, and then they're getting shot at, and they're banking and trying to stay conscious while they're f- having dog fights. Oh my god, I know. And plus, with like the new the the new um, you know fifth gen jets that have like torque vectoring or not torque vectoring, I'm saying torque vectoring. Uh, they have uh, thrust vectoring, so like the engines themselves can independently create the nozzles can create oh, different wow. angles. So that's why you get that's why you get like uh, Raptors doing this. Wow. <sighs> They go up and down. Yeah, and they can like the, they can uh, propel upward, and they can almost stay stationary, and ro- and you just see like it's just like all the all the air surfaces just like Jesus. whatever. And uh, the SU the Sukhois are also the fifth gen fighters do that as well. This thrust factoring, it's insane, man. I mean, they're able to like bank and add thrust factoring, so you're it's like having rear wheel steering like on mm. the, on whatever sports cars. It's so the same the thing. Navigation capabilities just off the charts. I mean, it's like to be able to turn around on a target. You know, like if someone's chasing you. There you go. Check there this out. Is. Look how so cool. It's, so it's going up. Still. This is straight. Now you can see it slow down, and then it's going to change its orientation. There you go. What? So n- now, ah, uh, look at that. Back down. Yeah. Look at that. Look how thin it is too. I mean, you see all the air services working. It just I love I love that. If you saw that, you would assume that's from another planet. I mean, it's just it's just insane what they can do with these things. And these are like low, fairly low speeds, and they it's just how powerful those motors are, those mm. Raptor engines are, and and they also have like a, a low heat signature. It's I mean, it's crazy. Look at that. Look at that. That's so crazy. It just seems fake. It just yeah. seems fake that it just pause, that. like it's pausing and then flattening out and then and then diving down. And they can do flat spins where the, the whole body of the plane it's level, but it's just rotating as it's descending. And so imagine as a weapons platform, it's just rotating in the air, just fire, firing weapons. I mean, I'm sure that's not how they would use it, but but, but you still, could. It I mean, would look if you cool had to, in a, it a would movie. Look, it would look cool in a movie and a lot of compl- you know a lot of complaining pilots. 
Anyways, I mean technology, fuck. my friend. Technology. So many people, so so many smart people out there. <sighs> so little time, and I just you know, science, art, engineering—that's my priority. I think that's all that you need ever need to worry about. Well, I know. Well, I love the fact that you have those combining interests. That you're such a a techno technophile mm-hmm. as well as an audiophile, a musician, <laughs> and a comedian, and all these things kind of piling together. Yeah, man, I, I I love it. I just like why not, man? Let's why not? Let's fucking get people excited about all the shit you can get excited about. Yeah. Well, listen, brother. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I'm glad man. we got to do it. What glad a blast, Come man. down here and do it in Austin. Yeah, thanks for yeah. having me at your My Austin pleasure. joint, man. My pleasure. And congratulations. This is a great city, man. Thanks, man. I yeah. love it here. I love it here. And when we open up the comedy club, you got to come down. Oh, I'm so there. All right. I'm so there. Great. Best you, half sir. an hour of my life. Always fun. <laughs> always fun. Reggie Watts, ladies and gentlemen. The Joe Rogan Experience. <laughs>